Welcome back, boys and girls, to another episode of K-Fabe Comparisons. My name is Mr. Know-It-All, Daniel John Schaefer, and today I am joined once again by the rest of my holy trinity, Mr. Jesse Baker, Mr. Wex breaking the loss, and boys, how we living today? Living good, living great, feeling good. How are you? I'm alive and well, Wex. How's it going? That's how it's going right there, brother. Nice, nice. Cracking beers. We're having a good time. It's the WrestleMania Super Show today, by the way, boys and girls. The WrestleMania Super Show. Show, 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 show. Yeah, yeah it's going to be a good one. We're doing uh, both nights of Stand and Deliver from NXT against both nights of WrestleMania 37. It's going to be a wild, wild ride. Um, yeah, that's a lot of content to cover. So the way we're going to format this, and I'm actually going to put the timestamps in the show notes, but uh, the way we're going to format this out is that we're going to talk about night one. Versus night two of Stand and Deliver. Then we're going to do night one versus night two of WrestleMania. And then we'll give you a brief overview of what we thought overall, which brand kind of did it better, the uh, the main roster or the NXT roster boys. Did you get any good feedback about last week's show before we dive into this super show, Jesse? Man, you know, I any of the feedback that I've heard, everybody was waiting on a little bit of feedback about WrestleMania 17. You know, everybody knows it's the season. If you follow the trends of what we've been covering and you know, even just basic math, you knew it was coming. And yeah. it's not as though a lot of other people haven't kind of jumped on that train as well. But I thought it was great. Uh, a lot of people also kind of forgot that 22 was as good of a show as it was. Yeah. So all for it. I think it was a really good comparison. I really enjoyed doing the show and I really enjoyed watching those shows. So I, all in all, good experience for me. That's for sure. Yeah, I did get dragged a little bit for saying that 22 is better than 17, but I guess I deserved that. Wex, did you hear any feedback out of last week's show? I didn't hear anything negative, you know, just that people, you know, enjoyed hearing the WrestleMania 17 because it's, you know, arguably one of the best WrestleManias of all time and like kind of going back and how, you know, we didn't realize how some of that wasn't as good as we remembered it being. But overall, it was great. I enjoyed, like Jesse said, going back and watching those. And 22, 22 had some hidden gems that I kind of forgot about. But It was a big one. It was a big one. Well, let's get into it here, boys. We got so much content to cover. We're going to start things right off with the NXT Stand and Deliver Takeover Night 1. Uh, we did not cover any pre-show material on the show because there's way too much damn content as it is. So we're just going to jump right into it. The opening show starts, and it's Nina Strauss, a.k.a. Alex Cooper's guitar player, playing the national anthem on a metal guitar, which is a little strange. Um, uh, I, don't, I don't know. It just made me feel weird. Uh, I did think that the uh, the Capitol Wrestling Center felt like it had a larger crowd than normal, which I liked that. Um, Wex, any thoughts on this open here with the chick just rocking the metal guitar and the national anthem and the crowd here? Yeah, I do like the addition of the extra people in the crowd. Kind of seems sort of like a hockey game. They still have that plexiglass up, even though, you know, there's a fence. But, yeah, but... Besides that, you know, the open that was kind of weird hearing the national anthem on the metal guitar, like you said, but she she did her job. She shredded it up. I like the open. Yeah, man. I like seeing more people there, too. Jesse, you got any notes on that guitar thing? I mean, I like the Shreddy McShredderton anthem. I think it makes a lot of sense on the USA Network. I, you know, yeah. that's one thing you have to factor in about this show on night one is that it's not only on the cock, but it's also on USA, and that provided for some pretty strange things, watching it back uh, on Peacock later, because yeah. I'll admit, I watched AEW live that night, I watched NXT after the fact, but I'm just one of those. 
So uh, I think we actually are all in the same boat. Sorry, uh, Uncle Paul, but we definitely watched AEW live. Did yes. not watch this one. Uh, well, let's jump right into the match here. Glad we caught it. It's Pete Dunne versus Kushida. I thought it was a fantastic way to open night one. Uh, great back and forth. Insane pace, too. And it was really crisp work. I think Dunn is probably a top 10 in the world as far as bell to bell goes. I think he's criminally underrated, even though he is still getting a push. And I feel like Kushida is finally starting to show more of that aggression that he had in Japan that he's been kind of lacking in NXT. Um yeah, but my, my sound kept going in and out, and I didn't know, I didn't realize because I was watching it on Peacock that, like, it was because it was taped from USA Network and there were commercial breaks and shit in there. But I was like, is something going on with my TV? Like, what's happening here? Because um, it was weird because they would, like, kind of still have commentary, but then, like, stop for a second and then come back from a commercial break. I don't know. That kind of threw me out of the moment for sure. Um, but yeah, it did, it did feel a little bit weird how, like, to me, it almost felt like the in-ring work, like, Kushida was working heel. I mean, because it's like Dunn took most of the heat, but it's obvious that he was actually the the heel to the crowd. Uh, I mean, it got the big comeback win. I mean, he, he uh, Dunn pretty much takes all the heat, gets a big comeback, hits his finish for the win. Like, that's pretty damn babyface, if you ask me. But I loved it either way. I gave it four and a half beers. Solid open for me. Uh, Jesse, where are you at on this uh, Pete Dunn versus Kushida opener? So... I enjoyed it a lot. One thing that I noticed about this, I guess this is just a WWE thing, and now that they changed it up, maybe this alters a little bit, but I really feel like this helped emphasize that NXT, in my opinion, has the best commentary team of the WWE programming as it stands right now. I enjoyed their takes on things, and there were flubs here and there. They're always going to be, but I really like the dynamic that they have on here. Uh, That stood out to me in this match for sure. You definitely got a whole lot of vicious stuff for both of these guys that come from different different vicious backgrounds in their own way. But I felt like their styles matched up a lot here. I really hope it's something that's going to have to happen with Kushida as he grows, especially in WWE, no matter what brand he's on. They're going to have to shed this back to the future gimmick at some point. Yeah, it, it just has a limited shelf life, and I think we've reached it. But I agree a, a consistent thing, I think, through both shows that we'll see face heel dynamics in wrestling in general are just such a different paradigm now that really kind of don't even exist. And and where they do, they're murky. There were a couple of things about I gave it four beers. I did enjoy the match. I thought that Kushida went to the well a little bit too many times with the springboard stuff. I, yeah. I just kind of felt like I kept on seeing that and then it either hit or fail. It's like, all right, man. I mean, you got to have a little bit more to bring to the table than this. And then even though. I don't know the hoverboard lock on the top rope. And then he flips down and he still keeps control. Isn't that supposed to be a rope break? And then you get a, a whole nother thing where there was something that was supposed to be. A Wait, rope you mean like, break? I don't know. I mean, cause at that point it's not really any much different than like a top rope, like Frankensteiner type deal. I mean, cause you know what I'm saying? Like he grabs the hold as he's going off the ropes. No, he held it on the ropes. And then when Pete Dunn was trying to counter out and then flipped him down and then he held it while he was down, it's just coming out of the rope thing. And that happens on the other show too. Um, yeah. One of those things that to me, I'm like, okay, this seems a little picky and choosy. And then there was another spot where a rope break did not get counted I just kind of felt like that that bothered me. But again, I'm a fucking dork. So who cares? Yeah, I don't know that I that, that. that much impact on the match itself for most people. Uh, I did like the finish ending with a wrestling move rather than a submission, just because these guys are both so like limb focused. And the fact that they're both grapplers and rough, technically based people. I like seeing clean finish wrestling move, yada, yada, yada. Four beers for me. Wax, where you at on this one, man? 
I guess I like this a little bit more than you guys because I gave it five beers. I thought it was fantastic. I really there was really hard hits by both guys. Like they were really laying it in, and like he said, doing all the submissions, all the joint manipulation, like especially Pete Dunn. And I love Kush- uh, I love Kushida's transitions. Like when he had when he had the hoverboard or the whatever you want to call it, when he had had the arm maneuver locked in on the one arm, and then went to the rope, and then he just quickly transitioned perfectly under the left side. Like he just did it so smoothly. I love just watching Kushida. I do agree with Jesse about the Back to the Future thing. I have something down about that. Like, he could just be badass without using that. And he can still, like, do his classic little things to throw back to it, but doesn't have to basically dress like Marty McFly out of the ring anymore. And, dude, Pete Dunn is just one tough son of a bitch. Like, yeah, for sure. God, he's just, dude. And I love the very end of the match, just like he's the whole little sequence because he's been working on his fingers the whole time and just the stomp, 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 just stomps yeah. on the hands and then hits the bitter end. Like you said, I agree with you. Pete Dunn is a top, like one of the top dudes in the ring in the world right now. But five beers for me, I just really loved it. It was a good opening match. Like, yeah, I just love I mean, the chemistry they had in the ring. I love the dynamic. And then like the whole hill face thing we were talking about, like you said, obviously the crowd one way and Jesse was talking about how there's no really dynamic, but the dynamic was the way they worked like that told during the match who it was. But even though I guess technically they're not, I guess for the match, it did work because I thought it was great. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, we're all within a beer of each other, like four, four and a half and five. So it's pretty, it's pretty solid rating here. I think we might disagree on the next match though. It's night, night two for stand and deliver. And the first match on the card here is Santos Escobar versus Jordan Devlin and uh, a ladder match to determine the undisputed cruiserweight champion. Uh, before the show actually starts, though, we actually had Poppy uh, with not the national anthem, which is also okay. Um, but it was like this weird pop punk song in a metal. Um, I don't know. I didn't hate the little breakdown part of it, honestly, but I'm also an elder emo, so it is what it is. Um, any thoughts on that open, Jesse? I enjoyed it. It was definitely a little bit of a stark differentiation. It also tells me that since they didn't really start the same way as they traditionally do, that maybe they have eyes on packaging this differently for the network moving forward into one show or something. But I thought the performance was better than most of the main roster live music performances in Mania season history. Agreed. Given what they do. I mean, it was good. It was solid. I I don't love the shit out of her music or whatever, but I mean, it's better than – whatever other crazy shit they they normally throw at us. So it's better than Bad Bunny's performance at the fucking other pay-per-view, so I'm for it. Totally, totally true. Um, man, here we go. Let's just jump right into the match, though. It's Santos Escobar versus Jordan Devlin. Uh, I mean, it was another, like, fast-paced, hard-hitting opener. Um, I definitely felt like it dragged in spots, those though, too. Like, I mean, I like both guys, but they... Uh, I mean, and they're both so... I don't know. I feel like they're both so technically good in the ring as wrestlers that like making it a gimmick match kind of hurt the chemistry between the guys. Like I feel like this match would have been better as like a best two out of three or something like that. You know what I mean? Because they're so they're both so technically good and neither one of them are really brawlers. So I, I, I don't know, man, honestly, I felt like the best spots in the match didn't involve the ladder at all. I felt, I felt like the interference hurt it too. Uh, I mean, the final spot was kind of cool but it didn't make up for the rest of the match. I only gave it two and a half beers. I really didn't love it. I didn't hate it. Uh, I'm, 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 I'm kind of right there, right there on that one. Uh, Jesse, where are you at? Santos Escobar versus Jordan Devlin. Two and a half beers. Wow. Fucking wow. Crazy. Yeah. I didn't see that one coming. I felt like I was going to be told I was shitting on this. Um, 
one big ding for this for me, any ladder match, especially when it's not like a multi-man ladder match, especially when it's only two guys, when you do that illogical ladder placement, the stuff where it's clearly not in a position where you could get right. the strap, I'm like, yes. you're deviating from the general, just basic psychology of trying to win the match. And to me, that gets so far in the way. And like you said, Daniel, both of these guys are so good that it just didn't make sense to have to set that stuff up other than to try and use the ladders. But I feel like that is the failure of many a ladder match. Yeah. And it was certainly that way for me here. I hated the interference. I thought that this should have been, you're talking about a title unification. You should have, it should be a clean situation for whoever takes it. I, it's just, I did, I will say positives about it. There were a couple of really good spots. That moonsault was super clean, even though it didn't really like, you know, yeah. hit or whatever, but yeah, there were some good spots for sure. Yeah. That the double knees on the outside, even though it was a double leg slap and God knows what the fine is for that. But they, uh, <laughs> <laughs> just God one of those it. things that, you know, they, they, the psychology of a clear control versus Devlin fighting kind of doing desperation maneuvers the entire time. I dug that. I like the story they were trying to tell. I just really feel like the latter element got in the way here as opposed to was uh, as opposed to being a benefit. So, yeah, two and a half beers, same rating. Lex, what are you at on it, man? And I thought y'all are going to think I was shit on it because I only gave it three and a half beers. Wow. And I mean, I mean and a half is generous, though. I mean, we kind of went to the same like we all kind of have the same points there. Like, yeah, it was a ladder match. It wasn't anything really that special for a ladder match. They didn't do any like any specially cool, innovative spot I've never seen before. There wasn't anything that was just like, oh, my God. Like, everything they'd done was pretty basic. Like the like you said, that moonsault, beautiful. I have that sick moonsault. But like you said, didn't look – I mean, it didn't really connect very well. It just was like, eh. And the same thing. I have the interference piss me off, that we didn't need the interference during this straight bullshit. Like, I did like the little monkey flip jump to DD thing, DDT thing. That was cool. Like, there was cool yeah. little spots here, there, like you said. I that guess that was just a little good. bit more generous. I guess those cool spots popped me just a little bit harder, so I gave it the extra beer. But, I mean, I have pretty much all the same notes written down, and they're going to make the same points that you guys made, so there's no point in just going over the same shit anymore. But, yeah, three and a half beers for me. That's solid. I mean, I guess I get that. Let's jump back over to uh, night two. I guess night one, sorry, of NXT. It's a nice little setup they had for the gauntlet match and then a solid promo for the Reigns, Edge, and Brian uh, thing leading up at WrestleMania. Thought that was really well set up, really well done. Uh, and then match number two on the card here is the number one contenders gauntlet for the North American championship. Um, man, Leon Ruff and Swerve start things off and it was smart booking with Swerve, like getting the attack prior to Ruff's entrance. I thought that was really well done. Great way to get like baby face sympathy and heel heat kind of like at the jump, um, man. And honestly, this match was kind of fucking awesome. I mean, like it was a really good work. It was great pacing. Both dudes deserved like applause just for the open, honestly. And then Bronson Reed was out at third powerhouse work from him. Um, that same kind of great triple German that we just talked about at WrestleMania 22. Um, the Grimes out at fourth. I didn't hate Grimes kind of paying Swerve to help him get the upper hand. I thought, like, not only was this match good in the ring, but it also, like, during the match, they were furthering other storylines and using it, you know, to, to help the gimmicks of each character. And I felt like no one really, like, everyone involved in this match got shine. Like, I don't feel like anybody really did the job or got buried at the, in this entire match. I thought it was really, really well put together. I mean, Ruff got eliminated first. 
the Loomis and Reed exchange uh, has a ton of potential. Like that's going to be a fantastic matchup at some point. That nasty clothesline over the top with Loomis and Grimes. Woo, that was brutal. Uh, I mean, even even Eli Drake looked great. I mean, I, I like the whole Eli Drake thing. I absolutely hate the L.A. Knight gimmick that he has. But I, I love I love Eli Drake. Um, it was what it was, man. I mean, I, I really enjoyed it. I thought Swerve got the best shine out of anybody else in the entire match. His equity definitely gained. And Bronson getting the win makes the most sense. I gave it four and a half beers. I really, really liked this gauntlet match. Wex, what do you think about it? I'm almost there with you, and I like I, like you said, it was a pretty good match. I wouldn't say I really, really liked it. It's like maybe a, uh, I kind of liked it. Liked it. It was pretty good. I Like you said, Leon Ruff, dude, Leon Ruff out there, he was doing some shit. Like that little thing from the beginning where he leaped all the way across the stage and then landed. Yeah. Caught the fucking, yeah. And the, the spot off the table with the cut, like, dude, everything Leon Ruff was doing. He, him, and like you said, Swerve, even though Leon Ruff kind of went out you know, Swerve was kind of the man that lasted the whole match. Like, those are my two favorite in the match, for yeah. sure. And same thing, I have the th- same exact thing that, ri- well, not the exact same thing. I don't absolutely love Eli Drake, but I absolutely hate the L.A. Knight gimmick. Like, that yeah. just, just, for some reason, that just pisses me off when he just starts talking. Like, go, just thinking about seeing him on TNA and on NWA, it's just, it's like just a watered, not even a watered down, it's just a whack-ass gimmick for him to have. It sucks, but dude, yeah. Bronson Reed... That fucking moonsault. Yeah. What are they, I don't know. Does that, does that have a special name? I know the splash is called the Tsunami Splash. The Tsunami Moonsault. Is that what it is? I guess you can call it. A, yeah, and we, God we damn, can call it that. Yeah. I thought that was sick. And, like, for a scramble, it was pretty damn good. Because sometimes scrambles are just completely fucked. And, like, for yeah. a scramble, this is pretty solid. And, like, yeah. same thing. I like the exchange. Like you said, furthering the storylines. Like, the whole thing between Grimes and, uh... I keep on calling him Shaw, but he's fucking Loomis. Loomis. Yeah. Like... I like the shit they had. Like even after that brutal ass bo- kind of botched clothesline, he starts pulling out a fucking dollar. Like I love that whole thing. It's great. But yeah, three and a half beers for me. It was a great match. Jesse, where you at on this gauntlet, man? I felt like you know there's a different dynamic here than any of these WrestleMania season shows in that this is technically part of a takeover, but also being on USA. A very unique opportunity for these guys to take advantage of every second of TV time. And I feel like this match was a stellar example of that. Yeah. These multi-man matches do have a tendency to be gummy and weird and clogged up and not really give anybody an opportunity. But let's face it, everybody's strength were accentuated here. And Leon Ruff, I think, more and more you're seeing someone is psychologically explaining to him how to use his size to the kind of advantage that the fans really care about and notice like some of his escape tactics, the little springboard getting in and out of things and sliding out and not being catchable. That shit reminds me so much of early, like Mysterio coming into WWE against all the big men. And I immediately just popped for it myself. I thought it was absolutely stellar. Swerve is getting to that point where I think very shortly from now, nobody's going to think of him as being 205 or cruiserweight. They're going to see him for what he is, which is a very potential top guy. Yeah. That to me was super evident here. Reed, mega big man status, totally working in those Yokozuna moves, which are great callbacks for your general wrestling crowd. I thought that that kind of thing was perfect. The offense of the entire thing was great. I don't hate the LA Knight thing because, again, if we're emphasizing like the strengths of somebody, Eli Drake – his strength is talking shit. I mean, he is a compelling promo. And I know that it's over the top and it's kind of cartoony and it's kind of standard wrestler or whatever. But yeah. anybody who might know who he was before, 
Eli Drake, L.A. Knight, they're really not that different. Same amount of syllables. I get why they did it. Um, I think that there's potential for them to do something with that. I don't see him as a main roster guy, but I see him doing very well on NXT. Grimes, you have storyline oozing with that. The Loomis thing, whatever they do with that character, that storyline is obviously still here too. I really loved it. I thought the finish was great. I thought the way that they teamed the pairings up throughout the match was great. I gave it five beers. Um, Wow, yeah. So we're pretty close on that, yeah. Yeah, I thought it was a stellar match. I really thought I, – I, I was expecting it to be a clusterfuck shit show, and it really wasn't. Uh, I, I did think that some of the you know the repetitive house calls by Swerve at the end were a little bit like, God damn, guys, don't keep going back to the same fucking move that didn't work. Like that doesn't yeah. play out to me, but I did think overall it was really great. Yeah, it was a solid match all, all the way around. Uh, unfortunately, we have to talk about match number two on night two's card. And it's going to be uh, Hartwell and LeRae for The Way versus Blackheart and Moon for the NXT Women's Tag Team Championships. And I'm sorry, but you just don't have enough depth to have a legitimate women's tag division like on your main roster, let alone on NXT. Uh, it just doesn't make the show any better or more appealing. Uh, I mean, the Tower of Spain, uh, the Tower of Spain, the Tower <laughs> of Pain spot was a little different than normal. So that was cool. Uh, but that, I mean, I don't know. The whole thing just. Blackheart totally whiffed on the suicide dive, and it looked like it hurt. The the finish was lackluster at best. Um, I only gave it one and a half beers. It just it wasn't for me at all. Um, Wex, what do you think about Hartwell and the Ray versus uh, Blackheart and Moon here? I mean, I literally wrote down Shotzi's gonna Shotzi diving on her fucking head straight up. Like, why does she do that? Like, what the fuck is wrong with her? She literally just dove on her head and i guess that's what she i don't know if that's a thing i don't know if that was actually a botch or if that's just what she does because <laughs> how many Jesus times have Christ. we seen her dive on her head like that's so maybe it's not a botch maybe that's just her signature move the the cte oh god but uh yeah but only the only thing i liked about that match was kind of the funny botch dive or not botch to the head i like the little ember moon road dog thing with the suck it that that pop man <laughs> that's the only thing that's the only reason I oh you didn't like it? No. <laughs> uh, well, and uh, I think it's funny she did the double eclipse and clearly didn't get all of it. Like Indy Hartwell did not even like she didn't even get her hand on her and she just clearly sold it. But I mean, yeah. I gave it one point seven five beers. Just a little bit more than you, but just because I popped for the dive to the head. Yeah, just a beer and a half from me. Jesse, where are you at on uh, Hartwell and the Ray versus Blackheart and Moon here? I gave it a dud, man. Solid. Mm-hmm. I mean, all the same. It's for all the same reasons, except for obviously I did not like enjoy the road dog spot. It's just one of those things where it's like, okay, how gimmicky is the match already in the sense that it's it's just not. What's the heat here? No one cares. No one gives a flying fuck about Candice LeRae and Indy Hartwell at all. The Shotzi Blackheart and Ember Moon thing. I mean, they. I guess they could be a face women's tag team, but. It would make more sense if they, like, I would have rather seen Blackheart and Ember Moon in that number one contender spot at Mania to shake shit up and just not have a fucking separate tag team division, like Daniel said. There's not enough here. It just makes yeah. no fucking sense. Is it like, there definitely the work wasn't up to par with anything on the rest of the card. I just, they sort of hinted at a story whatever i don't know i it, it all the big spots that were supposed to be big spots kind of failed and <laughs> it you know it was just i hated it i just thought it was didn't belong and 
the double eclipse spot was mega goof troop. That shit just was not even there. It was. Yeah. I don't understand. Like get all of it. Yeah. I mean, the physics of that are already weird enough, but I mean, Hartwell like didn't even get touched pretty much. I mean, like yeah. it was just a, no, she's the one who goes down for the loss of the match too from it, from that and the sense on it's like, okay, next. Yeah, that's garbage. It was not good. Uh, well, let's jump back over here to night one. And man, this one was a banger uh, to say the least. Uh, of course, before the match, we get like a nice little promo from Gargano and Reed um, for night two. I liked it. It was well put together. And then the package here for Walter and Ciampa, man. Okay, like this is the, this is honestly the match that I have been the most hyped for for any of this NXT thing. Um, I'm a huge Walter Mark. People either love him or absolutely fucking hate the guy. But I love him. I think he's great. I love his style. I love his capability. I love his athleticism. I love his his logical positioning. He always does the logical thing, and I, I appreciate that. Uh, the match here is Tommaso Ciampa versus Walter for the NXT UK Championship. And Ciampa looked physically incredible. Like, uh, I mean, it was almost dream-level match for me. I adore Walter and all of his work. And Ciampa just sold his ass off. I mean, the spot where, where Walter chopped the table and the piece fell off felt a little hokey. But, it, uh, it, I mean, it, it worked for the match. Uh, and Barrett really put it over, sold it well uh, on commentary. But yeah, man, I mean, I don't know. Wal- Walter sold the shit out of his hand, too, which was top-notch selling on both sides. Like, some great false finishes, great commentary. Uh, man, I just, I loved it. Incredible work, great psychology, five beers from me. Jesse, where you at? Dude, I loved it. I thought the story was told really well, and I was so pissed off watching the package leading into it because everything leading into this match, Tommaso Ciampa basically looked like a retired fisherman that Aquaman pissed off or something. Like, he was just like... <laughs> Him having that little bit of hair just really threw the look off. I was so fucking glad when he walked out and he had shaved his head. Like, we needed that. We needed him to look like he was ready and fierce and ready to be a badass. Yeah. Walter's entrance is also so captivating. I felt like this really did have a big fight feel scenario to it just because of the way these guys present themselves. The um, The story of Walter's power to me was kind of the center focus of this entire thing which is cool because he has that shit in spades. The idea of attacking the hands and taking out the hands, that whole Ciampa 8 million clothesline spot was fucking dope. Um, I feel like if you had put that in front of a crowd, it would have been absolutely batshit insane. Uh, We just didn't really get that here, but it was a really well-worked spot. The psychology made sense. Those air raid crashes on Walter cannot be easy. That's got to be some taxing fucking shit for Mr. Yeah, for sure. I love the finish. I love the whole dichotomy of the story. The right guy won. Uh, You know, I don't know. I I say I love the finish. There were some things that led up to it that were a little bit awkward, but I did think that the way that they were telling the story that it totally made sense. I only gave it four beers because looking back on this a couple months from now, I might give it more. Yeah. But – I I, I, kind of have the feeling right now that they're setting up for this to be a bigger blow off. But, man, I really did think that it was a good match. It was a great match. Four beers almost seems blasphemous to me. Wex, where you at on it? Dude, I absolutely fucking love this match, and I was going in expecting it to be one of the best matches on the card just like you. I, as soon as I heard it, I was like, dude, Ciampa versus Walter? That's going to be fucking gnarly. And yeah. they absolutely fucking delivered. And like, just like you said, that chop spot was a little hokey with the table, but it made sense with the story because the whole time he was using the left hand for the rest of the match. And then when he finally got that fucking right hand again is when he fucking got the pin. So just like he said, it was 
a little weird, but the story was fucking great, dude. I yeah. love the size and strength, like everything you said, just the way Walter works as a big dude, like not like other big dudes. I don't know. That power bomb spot where he put all of his weight for the pin was just like it was just brutal as fuck. Like I just absolutely loved it. And they and then when he Champa kicked out in his neck and they saw like, oh my God. Like they were the commentary selling his neck just made it so much more intense. Yeah. And just like Jesse said, coming out with a shaved head just made him look so much more badass again. I can't like like you said, I wish that would have been in front of a goddamn crowd because the little CWC crowd was not doing it for me for that match. But yeah. dude, finally hit with that fucking right hand. The only reason I gave this five and a half beers and not six is one thing that just really pissed me off is the way Walter would kick out. It just, it was just so anticlimactic and just like, it wasn't a, it was just like, I don't know, but it wasn't like slow as in like, oh, he barely had any enough energy. It's like he had enough energy. It was just a, just a weak kick out from Walter. And he's a, I don't know. I just don't like that, but it just maybe in my opinion, but dude, five and a half beers, fantastic story, fantastic match. God damn it. They beat the fuck out of each other. Yeah, it was a good one for sure. Let's hop back over here to night number two for NXT. Uh, there's a solid warm-up package for Balor and Cross. Uh, another hype commercial for Mania and uh, and for Gargano and Reed. Uh, also, dude, Steph like incessantly clapping for new signees is like crazy awkward it was to me. So cringe like, and awkward. Her face, like, yeah, she's just. Yeah, this is night two, by the way. That's why. That's why it's just significantly bothered is me. It, uh, did night two? One of the nights there was one, the one wrestler guy, and like the one uh, Japanese wrestler, the girl. Whatever night had the Japanese wrestler girl, she was overly smiling that it just yeah. made me want to just. That like, was night one. Punch yeah. her through the fucking screen. It was rough. That was night one for sure. Uh, we'll definitely get to that. But this is night two, and it's Bronson Reed versus Johnny Gargano for the NXT North American Championship. Uh, I mean. God, Reed is a beast, dude. Like, I, I just feel like he's got money written all over him. I would love to see a Keith Lee versus Bronson Reed long-term feud. I feel like they could do some absolutely incredible things. Um, man, the match here was great. It was good. I mean, Gargano is on fire right now, and I think he's. I honestly think he's finally starting to get his footing as a heel. Like, maybe I'm just getting used to it. Um, but I, I don't know. They, they had great chemistry. The work was great. I feel like the psychology of Gargano as a heel is getting better, even if maybe the character isn't, but the bell to bell, him being a heel is definitely better. I thought the finish was great too. I loved it. Four and a half beers for me. Um, Wex, where are you back on this one? I'm really close with you here. Not quite four and a half, but I went four beers on this match and I really liked it too. It was fantastic. I love the, the, basically the psychology of, Bronson Reed's fucking hitting all these big ass fucking moves, but Gargano's just too fast and he can't capitalize on it. And just doing that pretty much through the whole match. But I didn't like the fact that Austin Theory kept interfering. That kind of took it a took it away a little bit for me because it really didn't need that in this match because of how they were pretty much telling it the whole time, like working it. And yeah, I love his Alabama driver, which is basically the dead eye. But I get it because it's like an Alabama slam, but he goes backwards. Yeah, I really I like that. That's a fucking just cool ass name and. They sh if the commentary would have been clever enough, they could have said he hit two final beats for the win instead of one final beat, one final beat. He said, oh, two final beats. As soon as I heard yeah. it, I was like, come on. It was it was right there, Wade Barrett. What are you doing? But, yeah, yeah less distraction than it would have been more beer for me. But, yeah, four beers. Fantastic match. Jesse, where are you at, Bronson Reed versus Joey Gargano here? Joey Gargano. Johnny. 
Damn it, Joey Why do I keep doing that? It's Johnny that's Gargano. New, that that's gonna be your new uh, fucking name. Yeah, I mean you can't <laughs> take Gargano. it. You can't tell him apart from nobody else anyway. Yeah. The um, I didn't. They telegraphed the heel interference stuff. I I hate Gargano as a heel. I'm still not into it. Still don't like it. And at some point, you've got to stop with the comic book hero gear if you're changing the entire dichotomy of your gimmick. You're just still a, wearing well, super be a villain. Right? No, you got to wear villain gear, right? Yeah. No. No, nothing. Just take what? it away completely. I think you take it away completely. You don't want to do anything that's going to pop the crowd okay. if you want to be true. Heel, I get it. You know. Good point. It's just one of those things that you, if you're going to try and appeal to pop culture, you're trying to appeal to somebody, which is the opposite of what you should be trying to do. It's just right. it's psychology 101. But the um. I feel like if the if the roles were reversed here, if you get to a point where Reed is the gigantic, powerful, domineering heel and Gargano is the babyface fighting from underneath, this match has all the potential in the world to be a full-on five-star, six-beer, whatever rating system you want to call it type event. But this one for me fell flat, but not only because of the heel dynamic, but Gargano is just pulling out the same shit that he pulls out at every show to me. I, I like it's, it's not over, though. It's not that it's bad. I mean, it works, but... If you keep going back to the well, it's like I feel like it's, you know, it's just the same thing over and over again. I did really love the Razor's Edge spot from the outside to the inside. I thought that shit was fucking chief. Um, and again, I think Bronson Reed, I'm glad they're finally using him. Clearly they have the eyes on pushing him up. But it was just – I felt like the booking of the thing was subpar. I feel like they could have done it a different way. I'm just saying. I'm hoping Reed elevates and that they fade off the heel Johnny thing. I did give it three and a half beers because the work was good. So it's not like I'm completely shitting on it here, but yeah. I just I think that a lot of this could have changed, especially for being on the stage that it's on. I feel like if you had changed a couple of things, this could have been a main event level matchup, and those things are just not there. Uh, I mean, uh, okay. I mean, I, I was still four and a half on it. I think they did a pretty good job building it up, especially with the gauntlet match from night one. And I mean, with that short kind of turnaround to to have a match like that, I thought was pretty impressive, but. That's me. I, I'm kind of scared about Bronson Reed going to the main roster. I feel like he could be Brodus Clay before we know it. So that's true. I don't, I don't want him to go to the main roster. I'm not saying that. I'm okay, saying good. <laughs> moving him. You mean moving him up into the main event picture? I see what you're saying. Main event picture yeah. of NXT as it's on its own night and stuff. I think it. I think is in his future. I mean, even high mid card for him right now. I just. I think he has the capability to crush. Yeah. So we get a, a Frankie Monet promo here for Ty of Valkyrie on uh, the other card. Um, and then we had actually the Bronson Reed and Johnny Gargano promo in the back to set up the match that we just covered. But the match uh, next on the card here is going to be MSK versus Phantasma versus the Grizzled Young Vets for the NXT Tag Team Championships. Uh, I mean, it was a great tag match, man. Um, I, I felt like nothing on this show of night one was bad, to be totally honest with you. I thought it was all at least good, if not really good. Um, and this was no, this was no different. I, I felt like, I mean, every, everything made sense. Even the gr- even the dive spots were set up really well. Uh, and very few times does that happen. The M- MSK were the stars for sure. I mean, it was just this was their kind of like send off story. Um, really, really good match, man. I, I don't even know what to say. It was it was top notch. Um, great chemistry between all three teams. It never felt like there was a real a lag or any like you know too too long extended a period without having guys. Um, you know, involved in the match. I thought it was really good stuff. One of the better tag matches I've seen in a while that wasn't really even a tag match. You know what I mean? Um, so I gave it four and a half beers, another four and a half beer for me. Jesse, where are you at on this uh, triple threat for the tag team championships? 
I thought it was interesting, given that it was for the vacant NXT tag team titles, that uh, you'll notice on some of these other shows, you get some pretty elaborate introductions from the ring announcer for everybody involved. And here, they didn't have any of that. I thought that yeah. was kind of strange. I feel like you would want to set this up that way, but what the fuck do I know? Um, the, you know, MSK was basically playing the baby from underneath spot between all these guys. The The rules of the match doing it like that triple threat style were kind of interesting to me. That's a little bit different. Even a lot of time in these eliminators, they don't do it that way. Or these, sorry, the single fall stuff. But obviously the grizzled young veterans were playing the like brutish heel types. And then with Legato Del Fantasma, the way that they work... Yes, they're heel, but just because of what they're doing being so spectacular, the crowd's going to get behind them to some degree. You just can't break your ass that much and have the crowd hate you. Right. But they did a really good job, I thought Phantasma did, of, you know, being a tandem. I thought they worked together really well. They were obviously kind of the odd man out between the two. I, I will say, as spectacular as this match was, as well-timed as this match was, and as well as everybody worked together— I really do feel that somebody taking this title and making it meaningful would have been better suited for a team-on-team match as opposed to a triple threat. But that is the only reason that I gave it five beers instead of six. Oh, wow. I did think the finish was very strong, and I thought that for a multi-man match like this, it was extremely well-worked. Most of these guys haven't really been in any kind of like super huge spot with this company for more than a year, if even more than six months. So it's... I really thought that they pulled it out and they did a really good job. I mean, they're in a pretty high profile spot here. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I was pretty close. I mean, four and a half. I'm, I'm pretty close with you on that. Wex, where are you at on it? I went four beers on this match. I mean, I didn't go quite as high, but I really enjoyed it. It was kind of like, you know, in these type of situ- matches, like the triple threat tag match, and it's like almost like the Japanese style when they do them in Japan for whatever reason, instead of being like a tornado tag, which is normally how they would do it. It just, I don't know. Anytime you got three teams in there, it's just a little chaotic. But they, it was really good though. Like some of the shit they did. Like I love uh, the grizzled young vets. That little suit. It's like the they call it the the suicide dive uh, doomsday device. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That thing was sick. And like Del Fantasmo, like Jesse said, they're supposed to be heels, but they do so much sick ass shit. It's hard to like you know not get behind them because like they're doing like some really cool lucha stuff i really wish they would keep their lucha mask on when they come to you know they come to the ring with the mask on then take them off but i think it'd be really sick if they wrestle with them they would definitely have to be babyface they wore the mask they'd be trying to sell the merch and shit like that you know how it goes but yeah once slowed down once they kind of went out and it was more like grizzled young vets versus msk and that's like kind of where the story got a little better because they kind of throw back from what happened to them last time like clear the shit that's happened on NXT and they kept working on Wesley gimmick infringement I'll say his hand the whole time and it kind of followed up towards the end and I like their finisher and it's like a reverse version of the fatality that uh Evil Uno and Stu Grayson do except they do it's like a blockbuster neck breaker instead of a stunner yeah, yeah, but dude, about, yeah. it's a it's a really sick finisher it's really cool to see them win the tag team championships like I thought it was definitely sick after you know them being on impact and everything and making it finally to the WWE. And I wonder what they're going to do with uh, their old tag team partner who's still in Impact. I wonder if he's going to ever go anywhere else where he's going to continue with TNA for the rest of his life. But hopefully he'll get the push here soon. But yeah, four beers, great match. I was surprised Jesse went so hype, but I can see why. I can see why, but you know, that gimmick infringement's always going to piss me off a little bit. Now, it was a solid, and a half, solid four and a half beer match for me as well. But let's jump back over here to the other NXT show. And we have Balor versus Cross. Uh, the package leading up was great. Dude, the entrance for Karrion Cross was absolutely dope. 
great stare down and like ring announcement to kind of make it feel special for the NXT championship. And honestly, guys, like the match was great. It was really great work, very hard hitting, um, great selling and false finishes. There was time between the spots to breathe. Um, that being said, like, I can't really name a bunch of individual spots that really stood out to me. So while I thought they had good chemistry together and they worked well together, I felt like the, the, the finish was kind of weak, to be honest. And it was a good match, but it didn't quite live up to me. Um, so I gave it four solid beers. Good match, uh, but just not what I expected it to be, I will say. Uh, Jesse, where are you at on Karrion Cross versus Finn Balor? I feel like they missed an opportunity and probably just because of the season that it was to just take cross right back to the main roster. When he came back from that injury, um, the entrance is there. The persona's there. The move sets there. His work style is there. I feel like if he, you know, let's say we were in a complete time warp and his injury happened at a different period of time and he could have returned in time to be in the main event picture for a WrestleMania against any of the people that are involved, he would have fit right in and not there. I don't think anybody would have questioned it for two fucking seconds. Yeah. Um, that being said, it's not a bad thing to be working against Balor. I don't consider myself like a mega traditionalist, definitely no cornet or anything along those lines. But I really do think that when you're on the weekend, I understand it being on, yeah, I, I, I really feel like you would want to headline with your title. I mean, in order to build your program, I, I get the unsanctioned fight thing, but I don't understand the way that this was booked around the belt and around which match headlined. I don't get. Yeah, I agree with that. And that, to me, hurt this a little bit in the rating. But it didn't hurt it much. I mean, I still gave it four beers. I thought it was a yeah. great match. I mean, it, it for these guys, they both got to do what they did, but they both looked fitting doing it, which is kind of a tricky thing to book when you have a somewhat powerhouse, Sambo-influenced, you know, heavy submission, heavy strength-based wrestler against somebody like Balor, who is kind of a hit-and-run, high-velocity, sometimes a little bit mat-based sort of thing they really don't go together all that well you wouldn't think but i thought they did a really great job of melding the styles here a little bit the the telling the, st- the story with the hesitation and the missed opportunity and selling the submission attempts on cross i thought were great the decisive clean win you know they made the most out of it the right guy won but just a couple of things i, I questioned it a little bit so i still gave it four beers instead of a little bit higher wax where you at on this nxt title match it's called the Holy Trinity for a reason because I also went four beers on this match. Wow. And same thing. It's like it's not really what I expected from a Finn Balor match. And he's one of my favorites in WWE period. He's like when he was in NXT, he was my his first round. He was absolutely my favorite. But still, Finn Balor is always going to be one of my favorite wrestlers. And I still think they told like a great story, worked a great match. Like the whole thing that Cross was just too strong for Balor. But then once he got that like liver kidney shot or whatever like right there in the gut and then he worked on his stomach for the rest of the match you know doing the abdominal stretch and just all those shots to the gut like hey they still like you said late just like you said they melded the styles still work great together i like that blocked uh shotgun drop kick and finn balor just like thought it was pretty cool uh, I, I did a reaction with my face on video but you guys obviously can't see it because we're talking but <laughs> you, you, you'll know what i'm talking about if you watch the match but damn Great match, like I like the finish was also weird to me because once he hit that Saito, that just that should have been the fucking that just should have been the finish. And then he hits him with a forearm strike and then another one to like the it's just like I don't know it was just kind of weird. He just should have just left it with the suplex, 
I thought that was his finish anyways. The It's called the Doomsday Saito, but damn, I should have left it at that. And, you know, maybe would have given it an extra beer if they just would have made the finish a little bit better. But, yeah, solid match, just not – yeah, just for some reason it didn't – it just didn't hit it where it should have hit. It just didn't – it missed the mark somewhere else. Like, I don't – something was lacking there a little bit. But besides that, they did what they could, and I enjoyed it enough just as much as you guys did because we all gave it four beers. Yeah, well, I am I can almost guarantee that we're probably not all going to be on the same page on this main event for night one. Uh, but, you know, maybe maybe we will. Who knows? It's been a weird, weird show thus far. Let's just hop right into it. It's uh, Raquel Gonzalez versus Io Shirai for the NXT Women's Championship. I thought it was a hot start from the jump, but Gonzalez is still pretty clumsy to me, man. I mean, you can, you can just see her feeding a lot. Um, luckily EO is just so crisp and clean that even her most vicious spots kind of look smooth. Uh, I thought Dakota Kai served zero purpose and really didn't need to be out there in the first place. Um, there were some massive stutter steps by Gonzalez in this match too. EO off the skull was easily the highlight of the night for sure. I think it was a bad move to switch the title here, guys. I don't think Gonzalez is really ready to be in that spot. Um, it wasn't a bad match, but just... The weakest of the night, honestly, out of for for night one, this was the worst match on the card, and it wasn't a bad match. Uh, it just it, it it wasn't great. I just gave it three beers. I was right there in the middle on it. I don't think Gonzalez should be the champion. I don't think it was the right time to switch. Um, you know the, the skull, it, the you know her jumping off the skull is going to be a highlight that they'll use and replay reels for a while because it looked really cool. Um, but I don't know. I think it's a bad move to put Raquel Gonzalez as the face of your women's division, but that maybe that's just me. Uh, Wex, right back to you, man. What do you think about Gonzalez versus Shirai here? Um, my rating is pretty close to yours. Uh, I gave it a 3.75. And like you said, Io Shirai was the highlight of the match. She was the match. Everything she did was really fucking sick. And skull, yeah. jump, everything. Like she, She's the genius of the sky for a reason. They call her that for a reason. I will say... I liked that little move that Raquel Gonzalez did that was like the over-rotating dominator, but really that was just all Io Shirai. And one one really thing that pissed me off big time is when Io Shirai went to the top and then she did the rever- uh, Raquel Welch. I mean, it said Raquel Welch. God damn it. Raquel <laughs> Gonzalez. <laughs> I'm watching too much Seinfeld. But uh, Raquel Gonzalez goes up and like takes her off the top rope. Then she reverses into a crossface. But Raquel Welch's feet are already on the ropes when she goes into the crossface. Then she rotates around and tries to go and grab the rope across the ring. And I was just like, what the fuck? Like, yeah. like what just happened here? Like, I was yeah. just so confused on that. That that really, you know, grinded my gears, as they say. But, yeah, 3.75 is all I gave it just because goddamn Yoshirai. She worked her heart out. She went out there. She gave it a raw. So did Raquel Gonzalez. She's just like you said. I agree. Just not ready for to be in the main event and be the NXT Women's Champion. That's for sure. Jesse, where are you at on that one? That's title. I felt as though – I'm a big believer in Gonzalez. I definitely think that the potential for that is there. I think that, again, much like a lot of matches, I'll say it over and over, I'm sure, during this show, the dynamic of the heel-face thing to me, even leading up in the build to the match – seems like it was kind of in reverse. Like if you watch any of the episodic stuff leading into this match, Shirai was attacking Gonzalez from behind her back by surprise in the backstage area weeks leading up and all this crazy shit. 
And it was just like Gonzalez is basically just saying, hey, I'm bigger, I'm stronger, I'm going to win. And the only thing that made her a heel, quote unquote, is the fact that Dakota Kai was there. But she's not like encouraging Kai to interfere or be a part of it. She's just there. So I didn't really, I don't know. To me, that stuff not being clean kind of hurt it, especially being the main event of night one. I felt like if that dynamic was a little bit more clear and a little bit better told that it would have benefited the match. Um, Shirai has all these high spots. The splash off the skull, obviously, is spot of the night. Although this is not the match of the night, spot of the night. Just for the visual alone, I guess. But uh, I agreed. How many moonsaults can you do? Like there, there were a lot of there. There were a lot of really great spots that involved moonsaults, but it makes the one from the top rope to the inside of the ring that much less impactful. And then you hear Wade Barrett say, "Nobody kicks out of the top rope moonsault." Like bitch, she just splashed her from the top of the entrance ramp and got her back to the ring. And then and obviously she was still alive after that. So the top yeah. rope moonsault ain't going to do fuck all. Like, you really have to pull it out of the pocket. It's just one right. of those things that didn't make sense to me that way. I thought that that was kind of poorly done, just in terms of the timing and the layout of the match. I I don't hate Gonzalez winning. I just hate how they structured the way for her to win. I think that she could effectively wear the strap and do some different things here. And it really leads me to believe that the only reason for that is that they're going to take Shirai elsewhere, which yeah. – the women's division on the main roster honestly needs. I mean, the, you know, yeah. it's no, she needs to be far. up there. So yeah. um, I ended up giving it 2.75 beers. And I think a lot of this might be mismanagement of expectation. I just expected it to be a little bit better. But, it, you know, again, I'm not even sure that this is the fault of either competitor in this no. case. More so maybe some of the way that some stuff was timed. I really wish Dakota Kai had never even touched the screen on this one. Yeah, I, I kind of I'm I'm pretty much right there with you on this one. Uh, but let's jump over here to the end of night two. And it's uh, the main event here is going to be Kyle O'Reilly versus Adam Cole in the unsanctioned match. Uh, man, this was a Broadway long ass match for sure. Uh, I got to be honest, though, man, I know it's going to sound weird, but Adam Cole does not look like he's in the best shape of his career to me. Like physically, he looked a little not top tier in shape. I don't know what's going on. Just didn't look great. His music kind of sucks without the boom too. Like he should definitely be keeping the old school music. I don't know why he wouldn't still have it. The new music sucks. Uh, it's just doesn't feel good for him at all. Um, but uh, you know, other than the entrances here, this match was an absolute banger. I mean, the chain spots were insane. There was some chain stuff that I don't think I'd ever seen before, which is kind of random. Um, I mean, there's, just some really good stuff, man. Like the super stiff, like table suplex was amazing. Uh, the fact that there's no blood is kind of crazy to me, but it was a banger. Um, you know, the, you deserved it when Cole knocked out the ref was kind of like, this is what I miss about having live crowds. You know what I mean? Like, it's like these kind of things that like you don't get with pipes in noise. It's like, that was, that was pretty great. I mean, the ref sucks after the Panama sunrise too. I thought it was great. Just nice. I, I just miss organic chants like that, I guess. Um, the entrance ramp spot was dope too, and then Cole kind of dragging O'Reilly out was was pretty unique. Um, yeah, again though, at the risk of sounding barbaric, uh, Blood would have made this match a twelve pack to me. Uh, the coveted twelve pack is yet to happen on this show, but it, either way, it was a good finish. Uh, Kyle getting the win is a massive nod from the office, I think, uh, which is which is great. I gave it five and a half beers, so it was close, but not quite not quite the sixer. 
Uh, Jesse, where are you at on Adam Cole versus Kyle O'Reilly in this unsanctioned match, man? Well, I wasn't there. I can tell you that. Um, the These guys have this tendency sometimes. It, it, this is a turnoff for me, and I guess maybe not for everybody else, but it seems like they start selling exhaustion so quickly. You know, like three, four moves into the match, and both guys, as they're fighting back, are like, oh, I'm so put out, and you just see them reeling, and like, oh, I'm stumbly, and yada, 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 and it's like, you can't just do that the entire fucking time. At some point in time, you have to allow yourself to get beat up before you're showing the effects of it a little bit, or else I get that. It's like, how are you not put out by now then when it lasts for 45 fucking minutes or however long this match was? And that that's that sort of takes me out of it. Just to, just to skosh, you know what I'm saying? There was a there were a lot of nods to demonstrating knowledge of one another, it, which I, obviously with the storyline makes a whole lot of sense. There was a lot of targeting of Kyle's neck, which I thought told the story well. Innovative use of some of the weapons. The punch to the chair spot was fucking genius, I thought. It's just one of those things of, all right, I don't give a fuck. I'm clearly going to hurt myself here, but let's go. Some of that brutality, I thought, made the match a whole lot better. The toolbox thing, I'm so tired of people getting the fucking ring toolbox and just ripping shit out of it and then not using any of it. Because you can't use any of it convincingly, so they end up like wielding it and then it either gets knocked out of the hand or they do like they did here, where he picks up a wrench that he really was going to use, he was ready to use it, and then he just drops it. <laughs> like what the fuck was that why would you yeah. i mean obviously this is just one of those things where now you're just thinking so much about the next spot that you're not stopping to justify the spot you're in and i think that's the kind of thing that ultimately stops this from being a top tier match to me it was not a top tier match to me i do not think that this belonged as being the last match on the card whether they had put the belt here or not it really it was a it was a feud based match they did a good job with that they did a decent job with the blow-off and explaining why these two guys hate each other. I get all of it. The spot through the entrance ramp thing was great. The end with the knee drop with the chain onto the chair was great. I understand having to take out every tactic that you've got in order to win the match, but it still just fell flat to me because, A, what are the stakes here? Nobody's fucking explained this. These are two guys that already hate each other, so who gives a shit? They've already demonstrated it. You want to be invested in the person that wins. I agree that it was a good nod to O'Reilly, but that crowd still doesn't hate Adam Cole. Not by a long fucking shot, bro. True, yeah. So they just haven't had enough time where they're separated to really establish, like, you don't, it's not, there wasn't enough fervor for somebody to see Adam Cole get his ass kicked, I thought. I just didn't really think. Therefore, the dynamic didn't work for me. I gave it three and a half beers. I really think that it would have benefited from not being the last match on the show. Wex, where are you at on Kyle O'Reilly versus Adam Cole? It's crazy. I literally have the exact same rating as you. Five and a half beers. Because it wasn't I wasn't over there sneaking at that. your notes, uh, but like you said, only thing that took it away from me is that it just dragged on a little bit too long and there were too many false finishes where I thought like, all right, this is fucking it. This has gotta be it. And they're just like, No, I'm gonna kick out again. And that's the only thing that really took it away. And like you said, blood blood if they just had a little bit of blood a little bit of color would have made it even more intense like blood does make intense like brutal you know like grudge matches blood makes a difference it really does like you yeah anyone who says it doesn't is a goddamn liar because it it gives a little bit more emotion in there and you got the blood i'll One say the if, 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 if they had gone to that distance in all honesty then it would have justified this ending the show to me yeah i agree i agree First thing I did notice before the match even started, Blake Christian was one of the security guards. Oh, yeah. thought that was pretty funny, but yeah. Uh, when's he going to eventually have a match? 
it's gonna be they'll be like it'll be one of those classic things. We'll go back. Oh, this is when he was security guard on NXT. Yeah. Just like they'll show CM Punk was one of the guys going with John Cena at WrestleMania. Yeah. But it yeah, dude, it was a gnarly move after gnarly move. Like they were just in the chain spot with the neck breaker, and then I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. And then when he did the submission, like the figure four of the chain, and then Kyle O'Reilly was just like this, and I was like, dude, what are you doing? You need to go big boss man uh, versus Hugh Morris style and just start whipping his ass with the chain. That was the first thing I thought about. Like I was just like, you just start just using the chain as a weapon like as you're down. Like why not? Yeah, the clothesline spot was stiff though. It was pretty cool. Oh, yeah, it was very stiff. And then uh, the the stage spot that we were talking about, yeah, that was also a throwback to WrestleMania 17 with the drywall. He was just kicking all that drywall, just yeah. kicking the fuck out of it, breaking it up. But yeah, I was like, oh, we got some WCW and some WrestleMania on on this match. But yeah, pop for both of that, both of those things for sure. But dude, the brain buster on the steel steps, or I guess it was a suplex, but it was kind of a brain buster. But dude, everything they were doing and. I think it's funny, like what Jesse said about the exhaustion, because I know, like, it's funny because they they seem like they were just dead from the beginning of the match, and they were just the same level of dead the whole time. But hey, it was still really, really fucking fun to watch, and I love O'Reilly's like last, like that shoulder that uh that uh very close near fall where his shoulder he just barely went like <laughs> like slightly moved it, but it was just enough to where you could tell like oh my god, and they're like oh my god, he barely got his shoulder up, like dude. I popped for that real hard. And the last shot with the near fall too, dude, like that was just, it was so, it was just so nice. It was just like, ah, ah, oh, he has one last bit left. And dude, top rope, knee chair, man, fucking tastic. Drug just a bit, with a little bit too many of those false finishes, five and a half yeah. beers. Yeah. I thought it was a great match. I thought it definitely deserved to be on the ending just because of how gnarly it was. The blood is all it needed. I mean, it's the biggest story NXT has going for sure, so I can understand why it's there. Um, but overall, if I Adam if I'm Cole was not hated though, just like Jesse said, he's still over his fuck. If I'm having to compare one night to the other, I'm going with night one uh, over night two. Personally, I think it was a better show, even though the main event wasn't as good. Uh, it was what it was. But where are you guys at on this uh, NXT night one or night two, Jesse? I got to go night one as well, honestly. I mean, it's I, I as much as I did, like, Cross and Balor was great, but if you look at pretty much every other match, you know, the setup matches and aspects of night one, I just thought were better, you know? I thought that tag match pulled it out to a degree that definitely gave this that gave yeah. night one the edge. The scramble, too. Yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, I feel like four and a half beers was, like, the average for night one, and that's just kind of unprecedented. It was a really good show. Uh, the commercial break sucked, but... It was what it was. Now let's get into the WrestleMania portion. You didn't get my match. opinion. Oh yeah, you son of a bitch. But yeah, it's night one, obviously. But let's go. All right. Anyway, what's better? Now that we got Wex's bullshit out of the way. All right, we're gonna move on to WrestleManias here. Okay. <laughs> we're moving on to WrestleManias night one. Uh, the pre-show, all the packages were good. The panel was solid. Uh, I thought for sure we were going to get to like the Andre the Battle Royal, but I guess that it had been on SmackDown uh, the Friday before, which is weird. Like, what the fuck is that? How are you going to do the Andre the Giant Battle Royal not on WrestleMania? Like, what? At least just put it on a pre-show. Like, you got two nights, two pre-shows. Like, put it on one of them. Like, come on now. Get these guys out in front of a, a real crowd. They deserve it, right? Don't they? Fox Doesn't paid Ricochet for it. deserve to be out there, though? Fox paid for that shit. 
Oh, they paid for the battle royal. You think? I'm sure. Yeah, they oh. were definitely there. There was some rating shit going on there. Not to mention, even if you look at the roster of the battle royal, there are so many dudes left out of yeah. everything to do with WrestleMania. Like, yeah. I and th- those plans were made before. I mean, I know like Jeff Hardy is a great example, and I know the very unfortunate situation that happened where their father passed away in very close proximity to all this. All the condolences in the world go out to the Hardy yeah. families. That's very sad. Obviously, through any of those interviews, we all know how close they were. But the way that these plans were written out, Jeff wasn't a part of them a long time before. And it's just kind of crazy to think about that. And there's a lot of other examples, but just so much wasted talent that didn't get on the show. I mean, how the fuck is Shinsuke Nakamura not on WrestleMania at all? Right. Nuts. It's nuts. Yeah, it's wild. It didn't make really any sense at all. Um, but yeah, I mean, let's just dive right into it here. Uh, the first major event with fans uh, and the da- the damn rain starts right at the beginning of the show. We got to talk about this in the beginning, guys. Uh, the rain delay at WrestleMania, it just felt it spawned a bunch of great memes. Uh, it killed me, man. I popped. I mean, some really awkward, random promos, too, from like every, everybody in the back. It's like you could tell these dudes never have unscripted promo time anymore because they don't know what to do. Like. They had no idea. Everybody was awkward. Uh, Drew specifically was really awkward on the mic. Uh, I thought Owens did actually a great job on the fly, but the rest of them were pretty bad. Owens was really good, but the rest of them, were, even New Day wasn't very good, like uh, just right off the cuff. I mean, granted, that's got to be a lot of pressure. Everybody's got their nerves going. It's WrestleMania. I get that. But, man, Kevin Owens, to me, is like put the guy on the spot and make him cut a promo. He's the only guy that really could do it. Um did you guys have any other notes? Did you kind of like just, did you guys even watch any of that bullshit? I kind of skimmed uh, through that bit because we were trying to, we had to marathon both, you know, nights in one day. So we were trying to get down to the meat and the potatoes of WrestleMania, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Meat and so, potatoes. I mean, one thing I noticed that uh, Wesley and I were both working a show for Revive Pro Wrestling in luxurious Centerville, Tennessee on night one. So we did not watch any of it live. We were too busy calling a banger of a card where we saw some concussions happen and shit but the uh, when we did go back to watch it obviously we were like kind of relieved to find that the runtime that was stated on peacock did include the delay because we're like oh okay so we can actually watch all of this before we can watch night two live yeah but one thing that i did notice i watched the hall of fame ceremony this week as well and a lot of those promos were also as you could very well tell unscripted from people who were walking up and they're like oh what does so and so being inducted mean to you and it was so blatantly obvious like they have ruined the ability of these talent to actually give a promo off the cuff like fucking taking it and obliterated it a lot of people that probably could under different circumstances but just that wwe way man with all the writers and the way that you can't fucking say shit unless somebody tells you to, they have lost that ability. <clears throat> yeah, completely. It's out of their wheelhouse altogether. Um, Wex, do you have anything to add to the uh, the delay itself? It's pretty funny. The first you know time back with fans, it was a delay. But, yeah. Nice. I appreciate your fucking insightful input there, Wex. Already, let's, uh, let's, let's, let's keep going here. Set- Match number one, it's, a, it's, it's Drew McIntyre versus Bobby Lashley uh, for the WWE Championship. And I know this sounds crazy, but I think the crowd really hurt this match. I think that this is kind of like these guys had gotten used to the pandemic era because it was just these dudes taking turns hitting each other. That's literally all it was. I don't think there was an actual move within like at least there was less than three wrestling moves in the first like solid five minutes of the match. Uh, and it just wasn't very good. 
Uh, I mean, it should have been, but it wasn't. Maybe the delay just threw him off. Maybe being in front of the crowd just gave him the jitters again. Uh, you know, I, I don't know what happened, but the match just was not good overall. It it, it struggled to keep my attention. Um, I mean, it sucked, too, because I felt like some of the false finishes were better than the finish itself. It was just kind of a relatively weak ending uh, and way too long for, for an opener, man. I mean, way too long, almost half an hour long for your, your kickoff sh- like match. You're supposed to have something fast paced and upbeat that ends at about 10, 15 minutes. It should be a good, solid match. But like 30 minutes to open a WrestleMania, bad call. Two beers from me. Jesse, where are you at on it? Man, I, uh, I I understand wanting to open strong for the first time in front of a crowd, and I feel like they tried to sell it as Drew's payoff for carrying the company as the champ and you know his big championship win coming in front of nobody. But yeah. this was no payoff for any fucking body involved in yeah. that situation. I felt even worse for him after the fact. The... The crowd was ready for it. I mean, they were teething for action to happen, but they did go straight up main event style, which in this case just didn't work, I don't think. Um, I I liked the obvious build to the Hurt Lock. I liked the fact that it was one of those things where you see Drew in a little bit of peril. It really did emphasize the face dynamic to me a little bit, which they desperately needed because, let's be honest, a good portion of the crowd is behind Lashley, which is weird to me, but it's just the truth. Um, it's been great. Her business has been one of the best things on Raw for like the past six months. It's just another case of the fact that the only thing that makes him the quote unquote heel in this endeavor is the fact that MVP is on the outside. That's really it. And even the attempt at the distraction was That's okay, though. I mean, it, it can be, but I thought the distraction angle on the finish hurt this match, too, because it was like how I, MVP was yelling the entire match. At what point in time is him yelling right then? I think that was a botch. I think something else was supposed to happen. There. It seemed that way to me, too, <clears throat> which I mean, it's your opener and it's for the fucking world title. It's probably yeah. not the time to have those and kinds a of botch finish. Yeah, yeah. But just one of those things. That, uh, I, I like the fact that they pulled like the future shocks out and three of them didn't put Lashley down and. You know, the way that they told parts of the story totally made sense and would have fit a championship match, but the placement made it suffer, and then that finish super made it suffer. I gave it three beers just because I know that they worked, and that's a high-pressure spot to be in, especially after that delay, but the tweener dynamic and all that stuff just really hurt it for me. Wex, where are you at on this WWE championship match? I'm almost right there with both of you, like, same thing. It was kind of just not exciting just like like you were saying like wasn't bad necessarily it was just like you said that main event style for the opening match of wrestlemania just didn't catch my attention i wasn't just like all right wrestlemania yeah i was just like oh okay well he did some future shock ddts and he didn't kick out you know yeah all right he wins the match with the hurt luck oh yeah i mean like same thing that fucking finished the distraction we were both talking about that because we were watching it together like what the fuck like that was such a just shit finish. So, luckily, I gave it a half a beer better, three and a half beers. But yeah, Jesus. I mean, it, I'm just be, I'm being generous right now because you know they they worked their asses off. They tried, but you know it just didn't click. And bad placement, too long, just lots of little different factors that you guys mentioned. And so yeah. I mean, the finish itself, I liked in the sense that I liked him locking in the hurt lock in the counter and him holding yeah, it, going through but, like that, that part yeah, of it. I liked that's fine. But the distraction. It. Yeah, that distraction didn't make any fucking sense. And yeah. like you said, if it was a botch or not, because MVP was on the outside the entire time. It's not like he stepped up on the ropes or like did something to the ref. He was just ah, and like we and, and we didn't even see it. They looked the camera. The commentary was like, oh, he MVP distracted him. We we're just like, what? 
like what the fuck and we'll yeah. get into some more of that weird what the fuck shit uh here later God yeah dang. well i mean actually not not too much later because the next thing up is is uh, the beginning of night number two of wrestlemania oh, yeah, so we're gonna get right into it so, right yeah. into weird shit it's uh it's titus and hulk kind of opening up the show in full pirate garb um oh, like God. crazy level of cheese crazy level of cheese there a uh, little tough, a little tough to see, a little awkward exchange between them two. Didn't really, didn't, didn't like that. Wasn't for me at all. Um, yeah. So let's jump over here to match number one. It's, uh, it's Randy Orton versus the fiend. Uh, yeah. You know what, Wex? I'm going to let you start this one. I will say one thing. The fiend's entrance was really, really cool. And that was probably like the coolest thing of the entire match. Uh, the fact that Michael Cole called the Jack in the Box a box-like structure—it's <laughs> a fucking box. Like yeah. we were just both, me and Jesse, was like a box-like structure. Like wh- what? What does that that's even so, mean? That's such a WWE thing—a box-like structure, or just as a Michael Cole thing. That was just the dumbest goddamn shit I've ever heard. <laughs> and basically, the entire match. The Fiend was like Michael Myers. He no-sold everything, and then the brief distraction from Alexa Bliss, and then he just takes an RKO, and it's over. It just just didn't make any fucking sense. Like, yeah, uh, I'll, I'll give it a beer because of the entrance, and the crowd got hype, and like everyone was really excited at first. And they're like, oh, but then it just – once the RK – like, if he would have kicked out of the RKO and like maybe it went a little longer, I could maybe be justified, but the fact that it just – ended like that after he was a goddamn superhero the entire match yeah it uh it wasn't very good what did you think about and randy or fucking wait hold on those fucking red lights god damn it and you didn't even get my my beer rating you said one i said one but okay one i'll give it i'll keep it at one fuck all right jesse what do you think about this fiend versus randy orton I think that you already had one of the worst fucking WrestleMania matches in history between these two guys with the most gimmicky, stupid fucking bullshit that I've ever seen in a match several years ago. When coming into this, you got to know that you have to try and improve upon that and maybe not go so heavy on the motherfucking gimmicks. But they didn't get the goddamn message. They didn't fuck. If they did get it, they certainly didn't listen to it and they certainly didn't write it down. Ugh, I just have so many bad things to say about this match. Like, Bray Wyatt's entrance, I would agree with Wes if the whole Alexa separate entrance thing had not happened. I didn't like any of that. It took too long. It was too fucking stupid. I hated all of it. I did like Randy Orton's gear, but that didn't save the match for me at all. I felt like Bray no-selling everything and then this stupid fucking angle with Alexa and Bray. The whole match could have not existed. It could have been handled in a vignette and done, and it wouldn't have mattered at the fuck all. It was embarrassing for everybody involved. It's a dud for me. And I feel like now is the time we need to touch on this. I don't know if somebody's paying Michael Cole to do this so they can make fun of somebody who actually knows what a wrestling match is like Excalibur. But there is no way that it's a coincidence that he fucked up so many calls over the course of WrestleMania weekend. I mean, the motherfucker was calling moves, moves that don't that never existed. He couldn't call a dragon screw leg whip. He fucking was calling spine busters, power bombs and power bomb spine busters. I mean, he fucked up on every single match in such a glaring, weird fashion that I feel like it had to be on purpose. The blue thunder bombs. <laughs> the blue thunder bomb thing. Good guy. We'll get there, but fuck me. We'll get there. Yeah, I mean, so uh, if you guys have been with us for a while, you'll know that back in the day, 
me and the KG cast started this show and um, with the red lights at on fiend matches I don't I, I literally I got to a point where it pissed me off so bad that I just if I see the red lights are on I'm not covering the match so I'm not even like I'm legit I, I boycott these matches and that's the only way to do it like I'm literally not going to talk about it so we're going to move on to the next match that's fair I'm not kidding I fucking hate it so much that it like I don't want to give it any more attention it's the worst thing Bruce Pritchard, this is the stupidest shit that you've ever done. Every single time you try to use a character and put the red light in the matches, it is always bad. It's so literally bad. always bad. It hurts why my do you eyes. not it learn that? Headache. God why, damn it. Why have you not learned that? Like it's no one likes it. It's not good heat. It's bad. Go away. We don't ever want to see this again, heat. It's awful. Please God stop. Moving on. Back over here to Night number one of WrestleMania. Uh, we got Bailey uh, with an awkward segment in the NWO in the back. And then, uh, I, I don't know, I kind of feel like Bailey is like stealing what Robert Stone's gimmick was supposed to be with this whole like talk show host thing. And it's not good at all. Uh, the commercials are some bullshit. It's just not, it's not for me. The Peacock commercials that actually happened, it literally felt like just a regular TV show as opposed to like a pay-per-view WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was what it was. Match number two here is tag team turmoil. It's uh, Lana starting things off against Billy Kay and Carmella, and this is uh, this is pretty like this is like Attitude Era level bad. Uh, I mean, the Riot Squad had some decent little spots, but literally they're the only team that did. Um, and then we get to, I mean, Mandy Rose like just busting her ass on the way out there. Dana Brooke like they're just like the botch sisters, man. Those those two just are not not good. Um, it, this whole thing just, and honestly too, it ends with, with Natalia and Tamina winning. Like why for, 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 for who, for, for who, who want, who wants that? Who, who thought the, who, who, who? no who? one, no one wants that. It was awful. Absolute dud from me. Uh, that's back to back pretty much duds, uh, or non-applicable matches. Jesse, where are you at on this tag team turmoil match? I mean, I, I gave Daniel the Iggy before we started the show. Uh, I did not watch this match. Um, it just one of those things that I could see it coming from a mile away. I did read that Dave Meltzer or Brian Alvarez or somebody, I can't remember who it was, said that uh, without a doubt the tag team turmoil match will be the best match so far tonight, which I'm sure he was not wrong. But um, I still didn't bother to watch it. I will say – that with Billy Kay doing kind of the Mizdow gimmick with Carmella as they were coming out, I would have much rather seen them win the number one contendership because it was at least funny. But, yeah, I have no idea. I, I can't even give it a rating because uh did not spend my time on it. Yeah, I mean, he was he was definitely wrong about that. I mean, there were there were some... There were some good matches on this show for sure. No, he said uh, so far. He was just comparing oh, it. And yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. That that Oh no, 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 Jesse. You're thinking about the other night show, the tag team match after it was the match after the Fiend match. Oh, was, you're right, you're right, you're right. It was a women's tag team match. Was he was saying night. that's gonna be the best match on the show because the Fiend match was so terrible, it had to be by default. That's my bad. That is correct. That's, that's fair. Where are you at on that tag team turmoil match there, uh Wex, did you catch any of it? Uh, I caught almost just as much as Jesse did. Uh, we, you know, they literally admitted on uh, commentary, they're like, this tag team was kind of thrown together. So it's like literally like, yeah, we're just throwing people together for this bullshit. 
it was just a damn mess. I took a piss. We fast forwarded through it so we can get to the real shit. So yeah, zero beers, duh. That's not even fucking worth covering. Cool. Let's keep it rolling. Match number two on uh, WrestleMania Night Two is gonna be the same shit, kinda. It's uh, Natalia and Tamina versus Shayna Baszler and Nia Jax for the WWE Women's Tag Team Championships again. No reason to have these. You don't have the depth. There's no reason. And honestly, you don't do enough with your actual regular tag teams for you to have a women's tag team championship. The fact that there's two regular tag team titles doesn't really make sense at this point, just considering you don't really have tag team depth, let alone women's tag team depth. Uh, It's bad wrestling, too. No build. Uh, Has no place on a WrestleMania card at all, especially considering so much talent that wasn't on the card. This is literally straight up just a way for you to put women on the card just to have women on the card and like other than, you know, Ripley and Oscar that we're going to get to. But like, I mean, wh- why? Like, why, why, why do that? Like, I mean, they, they, I, I honestly don't believe this match deserved to be on the card. I mean, the fact, especially when you had like, you know, the whole Mustafa Ali thing going on, there's guys like Ricochet on the roster that are like healthy scratches at WrestleMania. Like what, where, where's Keith Lee? Like what's happening? Um, zero beers for me. Just bad booking, stupid, shouldn't have been on the card. Jesse, where you at on this tag team women's championship match? It makes me so sad because I was watching some, like, legacy footage of some shit not that long ago. And you see Natalia when she first came in. And what a fucking badass. Like, what a oh, just sure. a good-looking, amazing worker. Great, you know, the whole thing. And then she goes and gets surgery to look like her fucking cat. And it's like her work has decreased. This match is strictly for Total Divas. That's it. Yeah. It's it's literally just to get people that are on that show exposure. I feel kind of bad for Shayna Baszler. Like Vince made it very clear that he didn't like her being on the main roster pretty early into them calling her up, which it's like, if that's the case, we should have just left her on fucking NXT. Makes no sense. Yeah. But this whole angle is stupid. The whole division is stupid. None of it is doing any favors for anybody. The only good women's tag team they had to start with was the fucking Iconics, which they almost instantaneously split yeah. up. And Billy Kay was still one of the best parts about the match leading up to this match the night yeah. before. So this is dumb. I agree. Zero beers. Dud fucking city. Not good at all. Wex, what do you think about it? Yeah, I mean, after all that Randy Fiend bullshit, this had to be better by default, right? You thought so, but, I mean, you know, it is what it is. Not so fast, my friend. What? Not so fast, my friend. (laughs) But, you know, I mean, the only thing about this match that was even remotely good is when the crowd got hyped for Tamina, she got a quick little comeback for a second. So, like, I might have gave it, like, a sip of beer for that. But besides that, yeah, it's just, yeah, it sucked. It was not good. It was yeah. certainly not good. Let's jump back over here to night one, though. Uh, and this is one of my favorite matches, uh, go, go figure, from either night, actually from all four shows. I really, really thoroughly enjoyed this. Uh, the weird Old Spice um 24-7 title thing. That's exactly what I'm talking about. No, that's not really it. No. We did t- we had that promo before. The match on the card is Seth Rollins versus Cesaro. Um, I kind of loved like the political slander commercial after Rollins' entrance before Cesaro came out. That popped me really hard. Um, the opening sequence was the best thing that had happened on the show thus far. I mean, just great work. Great spots. Crowd was hyped for it for sure. Um, it just, it felt good to say like this, this was the first match. Um, you know, obviously we're only three matches deep here at this WrestleMania night one, but this was the first match that I felt like, you know, the wrestlers were talking to the crowd again. It felt like it used to, you know, like the crowd was there. They were in the spots. It felt 
like pro wrestling with a crowd. You know what I mean? Like it was really well done. These dudes, I mean, you know, Cesaro's getting the hype. I mean, it's it's time for him to get the push. And, you know, I mean, Rollins did not lose anything from losing this match. It was a great, he did a great job. The 360 splash was super dope. Some great false finishes. I mean, just some incredible spots for sure. The neutralizer attempt into the pedigree was wow, like super good. Um, man, the crowd was so hype, like for the like the UFO swing thing too, which is just awesome. Um, and then another huge swing into a neutralizer. I mean, just great, great WrestleMania moment for Cesaro. Um, you know, especially him and Rollins being friends for as long as they have, for him to be able to give him that spot and help him. Uh, help him with that push. Five solid beers for me. Really, really enjoyed Rollins and Cesaro. Wex, where are you at on it? I really enjoyed this match. I thought, like, it was fucking fantastic. Their chemistry was amazing. Yeah. Ten out of ten, like, work rate. Yeah. Everything they did, like you said, like, the crowd was really into this match. I Like, dude, that neutralizer flip counter into the pedigree was, like, one of the smoothest. Yes. Fucking, like, I was like, oh, oh. Fuck, that was sick. Like, yeah. it was just so nice. Like, if if I could ever do something that smooth and fluid in my life, like, god damn, that was nice. And the uppercut stomp counter, like, like I said, it wasn't as cool as the RKO, but it was still really badass. Like, yeah, everything Cesaro was doing, the UFO spin, just, dude, fuck, such a good match. Cesaro needs a world title. God damn it, he's so good. I don't know if he needs the... Hopefully this match, maybe match, will be like, all right, we'll give Cesaro that push. And they're going to be like, nah. And they even talked about in like, the commentary. They're like, Cesaro, his career, you know, it's up and down. He gets he gets going, then he goes away, then he gets going. I'm like, it's not his fucking fault, goddammit. It's management's fault. And they're literally just like p- probably telling y'all to say that on commentary, which doesn't make any fucking sense. I thought it was match of the night on night one of WrestleMania for sure. I went six beers. I drank the whole six pack. I absolutely love this match. That 360 splash, which Jesse, I know, didn't think it was that cool. He said it's not very impactful, but I think it's really sick. I, it's you not know, very you impactful. You don't yes, really see I that very often. Uh, yeah, actually, yeah, I was five and a half on this one. I did think it was also the best match of the card. I don't know why. Yeah, I just didn't see the little, my other little cheers emoji for the half beer. Uh, but I was five and a half on this one. It was almost six, but. Five and a half, just because there were a couple little spots that felt a little wonky. Uh, Jesse, where are you at on it? Well, a little lower than both of you. But not much. I gave it five beers. Okay. Uh, all right. All right. I thought, uh, I mean, obviously, match of the night so far. But also, I mean, can you imagine the difference if this match had opened the show? Oh, I mean, phenomenal. Like, this would have been probably, this, this would have made that, like, top one or two, I mean, Definitely top three list of like opening matches on Mania. This would have been up there with the Brett and Owen when people look back on it in terms of an opening fucking match. If they had opened with this, it would have been Great. the shit. Great. And it still was the shit. It was still a really great match. Obviously, the work rate thing is one of those things that if you're a fan at all, you know going into it that this is going to be a fucking banger. These guys know each other. They've worked together before. They have a pass. It makes all the sense in the world for this to just blow everybody out of the water. In my opinion, it totally did. If I could change one thing about it, it would just be that there were a lot of repetitive move attempts that I feel like kind of maybe made certain parts of it feel just a little, a little stale, but obviously not enough for me to give it a bad rating. It just probably would have been a six had it not been for that. But even with the exact same match again, had it been at the very opening part of the card or at the very last match of the card, frankly, I would have given it a six. I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I could, I would have had no problem with, uh, Seth Rollins being the champ here and doing the favors for Cesaro. I think we're going to get that down the line. 
Yeah. Um, but, you know, I'm fine with it. Honestly, too, and I understand the whole mentality, like, well, he needs a world title. But let's be honest, man. The world title hasn't been that impactful or really that um, resonant lately. I would, I would actually like to see him, Cesaro, become, like, get a big push, but also get, like, the U.S. title. And and take it back to like the open challenge days where he gets a he gets a marquee match at every single Raw or every single SmackDown or whatever show he's on. Uh, I think that that would be a good way to push him too because I mean let's let's face it the, the main reason why especially especially in the WWE side of things that that he hasn't gotten the push for these years is because he's a great bell to bell guy. But I mean and he does have charisma. But let's be honest like. He doesn't get it himself. He's like, I don't get it. I think I'm a great communicator. It's like, you're not, though. Like, I mean, his promos really haven't been great. Like, uh, I mean, they have gotten better. Um, and he, he's doing better now than he's ever done before with that. Uh, but that, that is what it is. I would like to see him kind of do that workhorse title thing. I think that's better for him. I really don't ever see him being a character enough to be a world champion, at least for a long period of time. Maybe he's from like a... Come on to AEW and he could... Uh... I see. I just don't think he is period. I just don't. I think he's a great, I think he's a bell to bell champ for sure. But I don't think that he's a guy to carry a company. I I wish they had him with fucking Heyman for longer. Give him a manager. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's possible, I guess. Let's jump back over here to night two though. Let's keep this ball a rolling. We are just trucking through these shows. Uh, I will say, man, on WrestleMania night two, we're at the third match. Uh, so we're two matches deep on this card and there is zero beers on my docket. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's a good package for Owens and Zane. It's kind of a tired rivalry, but I appreciate that they're trying to put a new spin on it with Sammy being like the crazy heel. And I think he's doing a great job with his character. Uh, I mean, granted, Logan Paul is just instant heat no matter what. So. Uh, I didn't actually hate it. I like the fact that he did wasn't actually on commentary. He literally just sat there. That's fine. That's totally fine. If that's all you're going to do with him, I'm completely good with that. Uh, I mean, this match was easily probably. Well, yeah, I'm going to say it's probably match of the night. Bell to bell uh, um, uh, for, for match two for me. Um, or the Rollins and Cesaro, if you will. It was great bell to bell. I mean, with the way these two have been booked, too, it's kind of easy to forget that they're still like upper echelon in ring performers because uh, they are. And they kind of proved that. But, you know, they've kind of been booked. Both of them kind of been in the mid card for so long that you forget that they're main event talents when they get hard given time and have bell to bell work. I thought the match was great. Um, it could have used a few more false finishes, maybe actually a little bit more time. Uh, but it was really, really solid, really well sold. Four and a half beers for me. Um, Jesse, where you at? Sami Zayn versus Kevin Owens. I mean, this is definitely, to me, the match of the night, of night two, for sure. Um, that's not to say that there wasn't other good stuff on the card, but I definitely really, this one made me the happiest. I really do, it breaks my heart every time I see that package pile driver teased and then not done. You know? God damn it. Same, uh, same, same. I love the tease, you know, it makes sense. I got to agree with about Zane. I, at first, I didn't know what they were going to do with this character. And there's to me, there's this feeling that Zane just like looking crazy and doing weird looking movements on the ramp was the only part of his character that was any different for a while, which makes me still kind of cringe a little bit when I see it. But he's really fallen into this. And yeah, there are several aspects of it that I do really love. I was so happy that Logan Paul was not more involved. I was afraid that they were going to gimmick this to death with the celebrity involvement, which is just not what it needed. These two guys, another Ring of Honor feud and another fucking show stealer. I mean, it doesn't really surprise anybody coming out of that era, but these guys completely tore it down, in my opinion. Uh, I thought every, you know, to me, all parts of the match were great. I gave it five beers. 
I, I sort of wish the Logan Paul thing had been left out altogether, but the way that they yeah. did use him was the least painful way possible. And the crowd obviously was just waiting and waiting and waiting for that fucking stunner on the weird YouTube guy. And they got it. So it works. Yeah, it's it's fair. Wex, where are you at on this uh, Owens insane thing? I will say I did thoroughly enjoy watching Logan Paul. And he didn't take a bad bump, too. He almost took a flip bump with it, and it didn't look bad. He nope. did all right. He did all right. Wex, where are you at on it? Yeah, I mean, I definitely thought Logan Paul being involved was a little whack, and the whole weird conspiracy storyline was a little whack. But it didn't matter because ring dirt and like in the ring they absolutely fucking killed it. Like, dude, the match was fucking sick. Like from the get go, like the pop up power bomb, like immediately setting the tone, and Sami Zayn like just work, working heel great, like the coward, like crazy chicken shit heel type thing. And, and Dude, he did the brain buster, but it wasn't on the turnbuckle. But still, we got one. We got a brain buster from, uh, you know, his his friend El Generico, who raises orphans uh, in Mexico, not uh, Sami Zayn. But Ecuador, but dude, yeah. like he's like Sami Zayn's character work in this match was great. And dude, like Jesse said, seeing Stone Cold, I mean, why Stone Cold? Seeing Logan Paul get the Stone Cold Stunner from Kevin Owens, but is it the Kevin Owens Stunner? It's not the Stone Cold Stunner, but. I'm always going to call it the goddamn Stone Cold Stunner no matter what, but seeing him take the, the stunner. The stunner, yeah. And the way he sold it, though, was a little different than normally sells a stunner, but it still looked effective. It was like a – he kind of like did like a neck breaker flip type thing, but it still looked like, oh, damn, he he, he took a hard one. Yeah, that's what I said. But damn. Five <laughs> beers for me. I enjoyed it. Did you yeah, really say the exact same thing? That's pretty much exactly what I said, Wex. Appreciate you uh, paying attention here. Let's uh, Let's jump back on over to the next show. It's uh, we get at least we get Ziggs and Rude in the back with a great little promo. Um, I mean, at least they're on the show, right? I mean, Big Big E got his a nice little cool entrance from Wale, who was clearly lip syncing. Um, uh, wait, wait, no, no, that's that's all right. Big E got a nice intro in for New Day, which was a nice moment having that on there. We'll get to, we'll get to Wale on a, on a different show, but but yeah, man. I mean, this whole package here for uh, almost, I was actually kind of anxious to see how that was gonna work with. With Styles and New Day here, um, but yeah, the match—that's the next match on the card. It's New Day versus Styles and Omos for the Raw Tag Team Championships. Um, I thought it was a great open, man. I really enjoyed it. Uh, the New Day kind of played to the crowd a little bit too much once they got in the ring, though. I think that they got their jollies a little too much on the crowd, a uh, little too much chit chat. If it—if it was—if it's me, um, but I thought Omos was booked really well in the match. They made him look absolutely monstrous. Um, and they switched the titles. I mean, that that kind of surprised me. Uh, I did I didn't love it, but I didn't hate it. I was right there in the middle on it. Um, almost wasn't as bad as I expected him to be. I thought he worked well. I thought it was great when Woods kind of had AJ in the corner and was like, "You're not a tag team wrestler. What are you doing? You don't know how to work in a tag team." Uh, it was it was. I thought that was really good. Three solid beers from me, right there in the middle. Jesse, where you at? New Day versus Styles and Almost. Man, I like this a lot more than you. Uh, I, I was going into it. I was kind of thinking, man, this is going to – I sort of – I'll be frank. I really did – I expected almost to be at least okay. I figured there's a reason that they're holding them back, and I feel like they're finally kind of learning their lesson about overusing some of these big guys, which is why they're not heavily putting people like him and Baba Tunde on TV before all this. Yeah. But it's one of those things where – I knew for a fact, one, they're not going to team that motherfucker with AJ Styles and put him out there in a tag team on WrestleMania if he isn't capable of holding his part of the ball. And it proved to be right. I thought that he did a good job at what they gave him. I gave it four and 0.75 beers, and I probably would have gone a little bit wow. higher. 
I'll tell you what bothered me the most about it. Uh, a, his almost gear needs some love. That was a yeah. little lackluster on the gear front. He's a yeah. big old motherfucker. I feel like you could have done better just to make him look the part. I get not wanting him to look Captain Wrestler, but I mean, he doesn't look, he doesn't need to look like he's a line cook either. But correct. Agreed. There's that. And then there's a whole bunch of times when AJ was doing a really good job of trying to go for the desperation tag to emphasize how well the New Day worked together. That psychology is super solid. It worked really well to tell this story for me. But when you see Omos just holding his hand out and you're like, dude, if you leaned in for a tag, like you really wanted to tag into this match, your fucking reach would be halfway across the ring. You got to do something to make it look like you're trying to get the tag. But he was just kind of standing there with his arm out like, you got to come to me. You know, it was just, yeah. I don't know. It really kind of got to me. That that part of it I didn't love. But when he got in the ring, almost did exactly what he was supposed to do. Part of me, maybe this is an unfair comment. I do kind of wish the New Day had gotten a little bit of offense in on him just because I'm so curious about the guy. And I'm curious as to how he even possibly could sell anything. But it makes sense for him to be just the big powerhouse who completely crushes once he gets into the ring here. And the whole reaction of him getting that tag I thought was expertly done. Like knocking Kofi off, AJ realizing it, soaking up the moment. And then by the time Woods comes in and tries to stop it, he is just like staring up from underneath at this towering fucking giant that he knows he can't overcome. The fucking phenomenal forearm spot was great. Uh, yeah, man, 4.75 beers. I thought the switch kind of made sense here, and it allows a new day to do possibly maybe some different stuff, which I really feel like they need to do. Yeah, I agree. I agree, at least as far as advancing the New Day and seeing where that all goes. I feel like we are finally at the end of the rope of the New Day train. Um, so it is what it is. Wex, where are you at on this uh, Raw Tag Team Championship match? I also really enjoyed that Big E entrance, you know, getting setting it off for the New Day. And this is the second match of the night that I went into, like, yeah, this is going to suck, but this one actually didn't suck. It was actually really great, and the New Day... Like it worked, they worked a perfect dynamic, like of them being the tag team, like just like Jesse said, they were doing the classic tag team shit, cutting off the ring. I love that shit talking, like you said, like you're not a tag team, even though clearly in TNA, as me and Jesse were discussing, he was in plenty of tag teams. And his first ever TV match was a tag team match with Air Paris for the WCW Cruiserweight Tag Team Championships. We're pretty sure we think that was it. If not, it was at least teaming with Air Paris on TV for sure. So you can't say AJ doesn't know how to tag. Tagged with Air Paris, all right? That boy can tag. That uh, phenomenal forearm off the shoulders, that was sick. Also, I agree, gear, he could have a little bit something-something. At first, I didn't think he even was wearing gear, and then it was like, you know, that disguise gear where it don't really look like gear, but it is gear. But almost looked great. Uh, fantastic, like, way better than I thought. Like, I didn't really think he was going to be able to do anything because I haven't seen him do anything, unlike Jesse, and he really surprised me. I love this match. It's Pleasant surprise for WrestleMania. Four and a half beers for me. Four and a half beers. Wow. You guys were way more generous on that tag match than I anticipated. Uh, I mean, I liked the match, but I didn't think it was that good. Let's jump back on over here to the next night of WrestleMania. It's Sheamus versus Riddle for the U.S. Championship. Um, I mean, it's a decent match. The jackhammer botch was really ironic, considering it's a jackhammer. I thought that was kind of funny. The top rope Emerald Fusion thing was kind of bad, too, how he slipped and kind of recovered. Uh, I mean, I'm not trying to be an asshole, but it wasn't awful, but the botches were bad. I thought they were pretty bad. They stood out quite a bit. Um, had the botches not happened, I would have been probably a four or five beer match, but I don't know. It just wasn't wasn't as good as it could have been. I was three and a half beers on this uh, Sheamus versus Riddle U.S. championship match. Wex, where are you at on it? 
I don't know. I really actually I enjoy this match. I know that botch there was like the the air raid crash or whatever he was doing off the top rope, but he caught himself and then actually still delivered it. So if you recover the botch and still make it work, is it actually a botch at all? I think I think he recovered well from that. And I think they made that work. And that when it's supposed dude, to be off the top rope and you stumble around and then do it and then drop a really stiff ass knee off the top rope to make up for it. Yes, it's still definitely a botch. Hey, but they worked through it, and I thought they made it work. It wasn't like he just slipped and just – it's not like he abandoned the move altogether. He continued through, which I thought was great. But anyways, you know, great. That avalanche belly-to-belly belly off the top, I thought that was sick. The finish, the moonsault bro kick out of midair, fucking pop. And then before we – I don't want to forget to mention this. The pre-match, RVD promoting his rolling papers with Sheamus and the great Kali. That's fair, yeah. I yeah. popped super hard for that. So that, that's going to add a little bit extra because it had me a little hyped up for the match. But that finish, dude, that was fucking brutal. That was – you can't downplay that bullshit right there. No, was, yeah. I gave it four beers because I thought it was, you know, not the greatest thing ever. But for it, you know, they impressed me. They did some really cool shit. So four beers for Wex breaking the Lawson. Jesse, where are you at on Sheamus here? Sheamus and Riddle. This match has pre-show written all over it. I, I like. This is a kickoff show match, if it's anything. And it definitely shouldn't have been after Sammy and Kevin. I don't understand that for one fucking second. Matt Riddle, whatever they're doing with him, ain't fucking working. I don't like it at all. Um, I gave it two beers just for the finish because it was inventive. And I did like I like the the over the head belly to belly holding spot because it's you know I hate the Spanish fly so much. And this made sense because you actually would carry the guy and it would be impactful when you landed. So there's a little bit of logic behind it at least. I'm so fucking sick and tired of what they're doing with Sheamus. Like, it's just the same shit all the time. It's like, you got to change something up here, man. Like, I, I, it's, I don't dig it. No one gives a shit about the U.S. title, and the only time that they have recently was when the guy who's the fucking champion now had it. And he lost it for no fucking reason, because it was supposed to lose it to Keith Lee, and then Keith Lee wasn't there, so they had to give it to somebody, so they gave it to fucking Riddle, put him on a scooter, and now they have birds flying out of his ass. It's ridiculous. I hated yeah. it. Two beers. Yeah, without without we get before we get too far sidetracked though, I, I did his birds this, this time have pirate gear this time for WrestleMania. His ass do, birds are wearing pirate stuff. Do we even know what's going on with Keith Lee? Does anybody no, know? He's injured right now. He's just hurt. Is that what it is? Yeah, I've heard he's I, not hurt, and he's like I, I heard that he's injured, and that's why they took him out of the match. And I, I had that's just like Jesse had. That's the whole reason that Riddle even had the U.S. title because they just had to find somebody to replace Riddle, uh, Keith Lee with. Yeah, I, I mean, he was injured until way later, and it really seemed to me like that was a cover up. Yeah, I don't think he's hurt. Like, I th- like that's what I'm saying. I don't, I don't know what's going on there. Um, I don't know. Maybe he'll jump ship. That'd be cool. Um, either way, let's move back on over here to the other show. Uh, we did get a nice little commercial for WWE 2K22, which looked dope, but I've been fooled by those commercials before, and the game has sucked. So, exactly. um, hopefully, you know, they did take a whole year off. So hopefully they did kind of have more time to kind of revamp and make it a better game. Uh, I'll try it out for sure. But we got a package for Braun versus Shane. It's really bad. None of this makes any damn sense. It's like we got to somehow get Shane on the show. Oh, yeah, Braun's here. We're still kind of pushing him, but not really. Um, I don't know, man. It was it was awful. It was a shit show. It made no sense. The angle sucked. The match sucked. There were a couple of big spots that earned it a beer. But that's it. It got one beer from me um, just because of the big spots, and that's it. I mean, Shane just taking a straight-up 
flat back bump off the top of the cage. Like that's something. I mean, you know what I mean? Like I feel like we do like a lot of people shit on the Shane bumps because they're like, oh, well, yeah, he's falling on a mattress or he's falling on like an air pad. Like we could all do that. Like this time he's like, all right, motherfuckers, I'm I'm my oldest self ever. And I'm going to be standing flat footed on the top of the cage and jump. He didn't just fall off and do a flip like he, he did jumped a, he did a, up he did a front yeah, flip and did bump. a straight like back bump on like the side, like the side of the ring, like not in the middle. Like that's I mean, all right. Respect. He basically, bro. Like, he basically did a swanton to nobody. Yes. And yeah, I mean, it's that's a solid stiff ass bump. So, you know, that that earned that earned a beer there for me. Um, Jesse, where are you at on Shane versus Braun? I had a beer and a half for the bump. I mean, the rest of it was just such utter and complete trash. It's like, at this point, you can't go from being in a mania match where you have a hell in a cell and you have all these other stipulations that are huge and grandiose to just being in a cage match with a guy that's clearly going to beat you. I mean, like, it just fucking so stupid to me. It was a complete waste of time. There's no build. Like, the whole, you're stupid. Come on, man. Who is yeah. fucking believing that anybody's running around bullying Braun Strowman at any point in time in his life? That's just the dumbest, and, and it, it's it's like almost disrespectful to the people that attempt to watch the TV show. I just can't believe that they even tried to go with that. But I really wish they hadn't, and it could have made the show shorter if they just left it the fuck on out. I agree. I agree. Where are you at on the Wex? I gave it a beer, but just because, just same thing, the big sick bump off the top, that was really cool, but I did like the coast-to-coast to Braun Strowman also. Both of those things popped me for Shane McMahon, because I didn't realize today that that motherfucker is like 50-something years old. Yeah, oh yeah. And he's t- he's out there, I think he's like 52 maybe, something like that, but... He's taking the big boy bumps. I think Chris Jericho's taking flip bumps off the top of the cage. Well, you never know. He might take some fucking gnarly shit at Blood and Guts he, coming he up. He probably will. He probably will. Yeah, especially after Shane. He's is like, that a pay-per-view or is it a TV special? Because if it's a TV special, I feel like it's not going to be very Blood and Gutty. It's TV. Dude, have, dude, did you not see that unsanctioned match they had on Wednesday night with her? Yeah, they were going to fall out on TNT, bro. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Dude, but they I, got, Didn't they get in some shit for that, though? No, they were, no, it was totally cool. Not that I know of. They only got in trouble for that match in uh, Baltimore for some reason because somebody got pissed. That was an athletic commission thing. The athletic commission, but anyways, back to okay. Back to the match. I thought it was really fucking lame. There, the, the toolbox spot. There's always a fucking toolbox, and then again, like Jesse said earlier, they didn't really use anything from the toolbox. It was just fucking ridiculous. And then I did like the whole the, the cool little rip the cage and pull them back in their spot. But yeah, a beer. Nice. There's just so much Very on this nice. card that's just not mania matches, and that wasn't a mania match. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I feel like uh, arguably the same could be said about the next match we're about to cover. Uh, I mean, I have feelings about the way they've kind of changed Apollo, uh, but I also feel like it's not my place to speak on that weirdness. Uh, either way, there's like the video promo package was kind of decent, and I like the way they made it tie together. Um, but uh, there was a massive pop for Biggie uh, in this Apollo Cruise for you know the Intercontinental ch- title. It was, it was, uh, it was, it, it felt like these guys had a lot of potential, but it's like the chemistry just wasn't there. It felt like they were brawling, but they're again like almost like the 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 cruiserweight title match that we had talked about earlier, where it's like these guys aren't really brawlers, and they both can really go in the ring, like. So it's almost like having all the gimmicks hurt the match. Like, I, I don't know. It just 
and plus it's like I don't know the, the fact that you're still leaning on like obvious racial biases is like just really hurts the the whole the whole package here to me. Um, I don't know. It, I don't know. It, it it wasn't for me at all. I mean, I like the debut of that friggin' monster. Like that's gonna be great. Uh, but I I feel like the rest of it wasn't really booked great. Two beers from me, Apollo Cruz and Biggie. Jesse, where you at on it? My plus signs coming out of this match were that uh, it allows Big E to finally be in a position to be elevated to chasing something in the main, and that needs to happen. I mean, he's there, dude, and I, I yeah. the crowd yeah, response, I you know, agreed with you on that. It was loud, it was boisterous, and I think that that's one of the biggest things that is an indicator that he is ready to be in that part of the card. I do feel like that it allowed Apollo to have some shine. I wish that it hadn't been an ODQ match as well, because if you really think about it, the in, the interference from Babatunde or Dabacado or whatever, whatever they're calling him, yeah. Commander something now, um, he's three different names and no matches so far. So <laughs> like, unless you count the greatest Royal Rumble or whatever, but yeah. he, uh, you know, that whole thing would have been so much more impactful if it had been a real match. Like if they just did a ref bump and he came in and fucked up Big E and then Apollo got the win that way, it would have made way more sense than bringing him in in this no DQ match. But alas, they had to have some kind of gimmick. I like that they're putting something on Cruz that he can sink his teeth into. I wish they hadn't completely altered his accent to being a full Nigerian accent out of the fucking blue because it just kind of hurts the credibility. Well, but see, I did like in the in the package where they kind of made it seem like he was actually repressing his natural accent, like because that's what he's been saying in the promos. Like, right. I felt like I had to fit in, but this is really me. And he does do the accent really well. So, I mean, I mean he, I was, natural. he was Zuha Nation before, too. Like, I feel like they should change. I feel like he should come out and be like, I'm Apollo Nation. Like, you know, feel, they, yeah, like that would be dope. I like, like, I feel like they should have capitalized on that gimmick from day one, frankly. Yeah. But the, you know, that whole thing makes sense. I, I mean, the, the idea of having him have to come to the ring carrying a fucking spear is a little on the nose. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. it's it, it, it's it's a little too much still. Yeah, but I agree. He is doing a really good job of sinking his teeth into it. He is showing personality. He's showing his ability to connect with the audience, <laughs> even if it is in a way to where they don't like him. Um, yeah, I, I gave it three and a quarter beers. It was a really good positioning match. Both of these guys do deserve to be in a high-level match on Mania. Even though this is a little short and a little brutish, it still was a high-level match on Mania. And I think it worked for what it needed to work for. And hopefully we get to see much better out of both of these two moving down the line. That's fair. Wex, where you at on it? Yeah, I mean, it was a pretty solid match. But the fact that they had so many gimmicks and the kendo... Like, they beat the shit out of each other with kendo sticks and for it. Like, for a good Forever. portion of the match and yeah. they can like you said both really work like they need to get in the ring and actually do the do some work you know not not yeah. a bunch of gimmicks and the fact it was a nigerian drum match and the only time a drum got used is when one uh biggie got thrown into a table and like hit a drum and it fell on the ground but that was literally the only time a drum was used in this nigerian drum match yeah it's just like a punjabi prison just a fucking weird yeah. name it doesn't make sense just like yeah. Dumb bullshit, and I really don't like the fact that his, his accent. I get what they say in the story, but it's like a reverse Kofi Kingston. It just doesn't make sense. Yeah, I mean, see, it's not that it doesn't make sense to me. Like, I don't like it either, but I actually feel like at least, like, Kofi Kingston just stopped using it one day. Yeah. Like, but there was I will no say, explanation, whereas, like, this is, like, working backwards from it. I get that. Like, that part of it kind of intrigues me. It's just, like, the specific, like, 
Like the spear thing. Like Jesse I will said. say like he's doing a good things. job, though. Yeah. He's yeah. doing a good job with the character, and he's like a he's way more badass as a heel than he is as just the smiling baby face who's just like, hey, I'm Apollo Crews. I'm going to smile and yeah. do some moonsaults. Yeah. yeah. But, yeah. I mean, besides that, I was a little bit higher than Jesse. 3.75s. That's my biggest gripe, though, is no drums were really used in a fucking drum match. Like, come on now. And I don't but get I mean, it. What, what were the what were the kendo sticks for? How was that a part of a Nigerian drum? Like, kendo sticks and green drums that were, like, clearly spray-painted green. Were they supposed to be, like, giant drumsticks? That just didn't make any sense. Yeah, I guess so, even though those were all hand drums and you don't use sticks on them anyway. So that doesn't, I don't know. I don't know, man. People are weird. The WWE just decides to do stupid-ass gimmicks, and they decide to have stupid-ass gimmick matches all the time. And honestly, that's what I kind of expected that The Miz and Morrison versus Damian Priest and Bad Bunny was going to be. But, bro, I was... I mean, all right. I was wrong, yo. Like, I mean, it was not as bad as it could have been. I mean, I will say that celebrities these days specifically seem to have significantly better wrestlers. Like, they, they just seem to be able to wrestle better. Like... Maybe they just are aware of it. Maybe because they just watched more of it. Maybe because wrestling was so much more in the forefront of pop culture for like, you know, in the childhood of celebrities now, as opposed to like, you know, when like celebrities would come in the 90s and wrestle. It's like when they were kids, it was like the 60s. So like, you know, like they just didn't have the capability. But dude, Bad Bunny, like was damn good. Like and he took the like, dude, this is the semi main at WrestleMania. Like and he did a great job. Like. I mean, dude, he honestly looked better. Like, he sold better than a lot of wrestlers do today. Like, his selling was impeccable. And, like, that's such that's like the hardest thing to learn for, like, a greenhorn. And he was really, really good at it. I mean, I, like, I, I'm not even a Bad Bunny fan, but you got to give him tons of credit. And, honestly, tons of credit to both Miz and Morrison, too, because they definitely carried it. I mean, it was great, dude. I, I can't believe I'm going to do it, but I'm doing it. I'm giving it five beers. I thought this match was phenomenal, especially for what it was. You, dude, like, I'm not even playing. Give me Pat McAfee versus Bad Bunny. I would, I, it would probably be, a, it'd probably be at least a four and a half beer match. At least. I think it'd be dope. I absolutely loved this. Bad Bunny definitely earned my respect. Uh, Ms. Morrison worked their ass off to make that dude look good, and they did a great job of it. Wex, where are you at on it? Yo, like, same thing. I went into this match thinking, like, excuse me. I went into this match thinking, yeah, this is going to be some bullshit. But, dude, Bad Bunny, like you said, he fucking he fucking worked. I've, I've watched some people who have been wrestling for years that have not worked a match that great that, like, you said, Ever. You said the yeah. selling was great. His facials, like, he was just doing way better than a celebrity who's only been, like, training around with, like, maybe for three or four months, I guess, with these guys. And like you said, the Miz and Morrison, if it wasn't for them, they basically, like, they carried the match because if it wasn't for him wrestling with good wrestlers, it probably wouldn't have looked as good as it did, too, you know? And that's why I don't think maybe him and Pat McAfee might have that much of a banger, but maybe it was a tag match. They, you know, got some single stuff in there together. Oh, no, they still dude. had some guys to help him, not, like, a, exactly a one-on-one. -on -one. But, dude, solid. And, dude, the Canadian Destroyer. And then the I, I, like Jesse... uh heard me pop about this part like booker t was like pretty funny on commentary he was being like very like low and subtle with his shit like he did the canadian story and like it goes oh my god what was that and he went canadian destroyer and i was yeah. just like what the fuck 
fuck Booker T. He was just being real weird on commentary. But, dude, it was a really sick Canadian destroyer. It went on a little long because, like, when they started beating the shit out of Bad Bunny for a minute, I was like, ah, it's dragging a little bit. But I went four and a half beers. I enjoyed this match. I was like, yo, this was a, this was a WrestleMania match. It was really damn good, like, man. And it dude, was and back like to what you the said, crowd like, was into it. Like it was, it felt like WrestleMania. Yeah, and back to what you said, being like, you know, we've seen wrestlers that like have wrestled for years on the independents. That st- like, I will, I can readily admit that I wrestled for three years in the early two thousands, and Bad Bunny is better than I ever was. It's an absolute fact that I dude has way more athleticism than I did for sure. Nice arm and his selling, we're just dude, yeah, his selling was bosses. incredible. He was doing everything. The selling was incredible. The selling specifically is what stood out to me. Jesse, where you at on this uh, celebrity tag match, man? Well, first thing that I want to say is that as we're recording this, the Jim Cornette episode of reviewing WrestleMania did come out while we were recording, but I promise that I haven't listened to it because some of what I'm about to say does sound to me a little bit like it might be something he says, but I promise I have not heard it yet. Okay. That being said, I did like the match. I couldn't agree more about how good Bad Bunny looked in the ring. We'll get to that in a minute. When you got a guy like Damian fucking Priest and you're trying to build him, I respect putting him with a celebrity, especially two Puerto Ricans. I like the idea of him being on Mania in a very high-profile match to a lot of people who don't normally watch wrestling because they're going to look at Damian Priest and they're going to be like, hey, look at that guy. But instead of saying, hey, look at that guy, his entrance is great and he looks like a big badass, now they get to say, hey, look at that guy. He looks like fucking Boy George in a goddamn Culture Club video because his fucking (laughs) entrance gear and his purple braids make him look like an absolute fool. It was just the worst presentation of this guy. Like, it, it was such a bummer. Like, I wanted to see him in a really good light come out and be that badass dude. But that vest and the whole thing, I'm like, fuck me, dude. Like, it I, it was just so underwhelming. It was then, HBK, dude. No, he, no, it was not. It doesn't match the character. It doesn't make no sense. It just wasn't. <laughs> I hated it. I just thought that that that, that put a bad taste in my mouth, admittedly, for the match. And then Bad Bunny rides in on Becky Lynch's truck from last year, and it was you know kind of weird. Um, the match itself was great. The work was good. I will say, again, I swear to God, I'm not a super traditionalist, but when you get a guy that's won a bunch of Grammys that comes in and looks that good in the ring, it's almost kind of a disservice to the idea of the believability of somebody having to train and work really hard to be a wrestler because this dude came in and looks the part and was selling so convincingly and doing so well that you're like, well, fuck man, if it only took him six months, then why am I invested in all these people that have spent all this time doing it? And it's sort of like a weird, he's just a natural. I don't know. (laughs) He looked too good. Like it was one of those things like he, I commend his work and whoever trained him fucking did a bang up job. And from what I hear, everybody backstage said that he was just showing up constantly and working his ass off. I commend him for all of that. And agreed, Miz and Morrison also did great work, making sure that it looked good. They used Priest well in the match. I thought, you know, the whole thing, I I thought they really pulled off a good thing here, but it does kind of bum me out because it's like, okay, well, then why isn't Joe Blow coming in here and doing this all the time? Because it's just Bad Bunny. He's not a very intimidating-looking guy. Booker was trying to sell him being from the streets of Puerto Rico, which I like the nod, but come on, man. Like, it just, like... Los Los Burritos. No, I mean, he's he's my size. He's my size, for sure. And he's fighting, you know, Miz, like it or not, Former WWE champion. Two times. <laughs> Two times. Oh, no, I love it. I love it. It's just one of those things. It's like you shouldn't be able to convincingly fight him after six months of training is all I'm saying. But, and he's fighting a former also Lucha Underground champion 
uh, Impact champion, AAA champion, and uh, Morrison. So but you can't even count that because Morrison yeah. hasn't done any of Morrison's Morrison shit since he came back to the WWE. He has been a shell of his former self. I'm sorry, he they, they, it just hasn't yeah. been. It's I've not done more getting used. It's him in the ring. It's not been that impressive. But anyway, yeah, I've done more with him in playing retro mania wrestling. You know. Yeah. There you go. I digress, and so do you. But it's I get I, I still gave it four beers. I mean, I still I th- it was great for what it was. It was a good outing. It put Bad Bunny on Front Street, which does nothing but help the WWE and help the press of professional wrestling in general. I dug it, but. There were just a couple of things that bummed me out, and God, man, I really hope that they fixed Damian Priest's image because to me that was a big damager. Yeah, I mean it was what it was. I'm glad that we saved Jesse for last because his red ass was was nice. It's nice to hear Jesse <laughs> when he gets when he gets all worked up. Let's jump back over here to the other show. Uh, it's Rhea Ripley versus Asuka for the WWE Raw Women's Championship. Uh, I felt like it was really weird that they chose Ripley to work as the heel even though she's positioned as the baby face in this match. Um, it didn't, it, it felt like that chemistry was a little bit off, but other than that, the bell to bell was really good. Like I, when I say chemistry, I mean like um, this, this like psychological, chem- I don't know. Maybe chemistry is the wrong word. Maybe just the psychology was a little off because I felt like the chemistry was great. The, uh, the end ring work between the two of them was, was really, really well done. Uh, they did both seem to kind of get blown up there and kind of sloppy towards the end. Uh, but the rest of the match was great. It could have benefited from a few more false finishes, I think. Uh, but yeah, it, it was it was almost great, but it was just good. So I gave it three and a half, maybe three and three quarter beers. Uh, could have been great. Uh, was just pretty good though. Uh, Wex, where you at on it? Uh, my first uh, line that I wrote down my notes is under fucking whelming because it's Oscar, it's WrestleMania. And I just felt like this match, like like you said. Like, the bell-to-bell stuff was solid, but then some stuff was, like, just just didn't hit right. It just, like, didn't just didn't mesh well, didn't feel good. And the, the finish just, it just, like, her, she hit the riptide, but she, like, didn't hit it the right way. And it just, the match was kind of, like, felt kind of low. I don't know. Didn't like it very much, especially yeah. for an Oscar match. Like, there was some cool stuff, like the DDT to the floor, like, I don't know. It's just for Oscar WrestleMania match and her just losing the title in such an underwhelming fashion just didn't sit right with me. But I, I also went three and a half beers, but because I expected a little bit more. I like yeah. Oscar. She's like one of my favorite wrestlers, like women wrestlers, one of my favorite wrestlers in WWE. And just they keep doing her dirty at WrestleMania. Yeah. Yeah. It could have been better for sure. It, it wasn't bad, but you're right. It could have been better. Jesse, where are you at on it? That Riptide spot was the absolute drizzling shit. I hated that that's what ended it because otherwise I did feel really good about this match. I thought that DDT spot was fucking incredible. Like, that's just one of those things you never see. Um, They were really giving each other a whole lot. Daniel, I'm surprised that you didn't uh, gush up and talk about the entrance. It was a little, uh, I was kind of expecting you to go off on that. Uh, I skipped that for a reason, but yeah. But the, um, I, you know, it was one of those things. I think they did a really good job of presenting Ripley like a beast and uh, like just one of those situations where it made her look like she belonged there, even though arguably that doesn't make a lot of sense on paper. If you look at the any of the shit up until she just randomly arbitrarily debuted on Raw, it's uh, <laughs> just kind of yeah. one of those deals. But it coming if they had been building this since she came out of WrestleMania last year, it would have made a lot more sense on paper. I think probably provided for a much better match. 
However, I still thought that the match was good. I gave it four and a quarter beers. I, I like I really did think the bell work was okay all up until the end, dude. The end was the thing that really that's not a you're not gonna be watching replays of that finish for years to come on Ripley's first main roster title win, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, I mean I agree with you there. Uh, but speaking of, of first main roster title wins, let's jump on to the main event of night one here. Um, this one is going to be Bianca Belair versus Sasha Banks for the WWE Women's Championship, SmackDown Women's Championship. Um, and I think that they did a great job. I think they did a really fantastic job with the hype package for this. I think that the booking was right. I think everything leading up in this storyline was pretty good. It's one of the best storylines going on the main roster for sure. Even though you know it's pretty much just going to be a wrestler versus wrestler thing. I mean, they tried to make it a little more personal lately, but really, it's just you know that it's just they're just both badasses in the ring, and it's going to be awesome. And that's exactly what we got. It was an absolute banger of a match. Uh, a couple of stutters, but the crowd was there for it for sure, and the crowd definitely helped the rating on this match too. I feel like if this was a pandemic uh, version show or version match rather, it wouldn't have played as well as it did. Uh, but man, it was hyped. There was a lot of emotion there as well for sure. Uh, it wasn't, you know, perfect, but it was definitely really, really good. There were some really good false finishes. These other matches that I've been talking about that have been good bell to bell that were lacking the false finishes really hurt the rating. This one had some top notch false finishes. Man, that whip spot, too, was like so loud and so well done. Belair getting the win, too, and becoming the SmackDown Women's Champion. Her family going absolutely crazy in the crowd. Definitely a massive WrestleMania moment. Five and three quarter beers from me, almost six, because there, but there were some stutters in there that it could have been better. If there would have been no stutters and the crowd had had that same level of hypeness, definitely six beers. Either way, I mean, five and three quarters is definitely WrestleMania main event level. It's top notch. Really great match. Classic WrestleMania main event. Feel good. The baby face gets the win. Everyone's happy. They finally get that triumph. It was really well done. Jesse, where you at on Bel Air versus Banks here? Uh, it's, it's what a tremendous match. I mean, this was definitely out of the two women's matches that have main evented any aspect of a WrestleMania so far. I feel like this is the best one. And I really think that I, the minute that this kind of got announced, you know, I think everybody kind of thought that Bel Air was going to go for Sasha and whatnot. It just makes so much sense. Their styles are different, but. They're different in such a way that really matches up, in my opinion. And Belair did a really good job of working strong throughout the match. Little things like the suicide dive where she rolled back and rolled into that carry and then lifted her up the steps. I mean, that whole thing, that whole sequence was incredible. A lot of the different power moves. Seeing Bianca pop out that glam slam I thought was dope. I mean, there was just a lot of it that made a ton of sense. Banks also worked and looked phenomenal. She carried a lot of it in her selling she carried a lot of it in leading Bianca into looking the way that she looked and looking as powerful and strong as she looked. But Banks also was no slouch on the offense side. There were a lot of really, really good trades, a lot of turns, a lot of teases of the bank statement, a lot of teases of getting her into the bank statement, a series of just really great sequences. And that's one thing that a lot of main event matches these days don't have. They have a lot of big moments, but they don't have a lot of great sequences. And I thought that they had that in spades here. Um, the, you know, the frog splash situation was a little weird. I couldn't yeah. tell if he was like going for a meteor. A little spotty, or, yeah. Or and like changed it in middle way through or what. But twas what it was. I still think that overall you can't argue with this match. That 450 that got hit with the knees was like gut wrenching. They nailed that right on the money. She's got to tighten that 450 up, dude, or she's gonna catch her feet and like really hurt herself. It she looked, just 
It looked better than the last time, but yeah. still. <laughs> still not wearing it. She's got to tuck her legs, man. Um, gotta... and one, of, one of the craziest things that I think everybody's going to come out of this talking about, I mean, how can you not mention the hair whip, you know? I mean, that was just one of those weird, like, super climactic, very strange, like, wow, how is that the moment of a main event? But, I mean, kind of. I mean, it was fucking Great. Yeah. Yeah. expertly placed, too. Yeah. Uh, nailing that KOD for the finish. I gave it five and a half beers, man. I thought it was fucking great. Wex, where are you at on night one's main event here, Bianca Belair and Sasha Banks? Man, you guys pretty much hit the nail right on the head. It was a fantastic match. They had great chemistry. I absolutely love the display of strength from Bianca Belair and that chair spot. I mean, the ta- uh, fuck, the stair spot where she walked up the stairs and then up the to the apron of the ring and tossed her in there. Just so epic, so fantastic. That's going to be one of those classic highlight spots. We're just going to see her carrying Sasha Banks. You're definitely going to see that on the highlight reels. And that 450 is crazy looking, not only because of her legs, but her hair. It just yeah. looks so – maybe that's probably why, like, Jesse even pointed out. Someone probably told her, like, you should probably do that. It looks pretty cool with your hair. Yeah. And the whip was brutal. If you could see the fucking, like – it looked like a kendo stick mark on Sasha Banks's like, stomach, stomach yeah. from it. It was sick. And pretty much right before the match, I was like, you know what, Jesse? Someone needs to really use her hair against her as a weapon. And then Sasha Banks started fucking doing it, like, choking her, like, using yeah. it for the bank statement and different submissions and stuff. And I was like – that's such good heel work. Like, they, great. I, uh, it's so great. I'm re- really glad she utilized that. It was fantastic. I popped for it. I thought it was just, thought it was sick. And I gave it five beers, not as much as you guys. Like you said, there's a few little clunky spots here or there, but it was definitely WrestleMania main event worthy. Best, Definitely the best women's main event in WrestleMania so far. That one, the finish was kind of botchy with Sasha, with uh, Ronda Rousey. Ronda Rousey. No, the, I'm talking about the remember the finish at their WrestleMania. It was Ronda Rousey, uh, Becky Lynch, and Charlotte, right? And they had it was like the weird botchy finish, and, and it was kind of like eh. But then this was like a solid like this is this will be this is more memorable than that match will be at least in my opinion because I really don't remember mu- much in that other match, and I'm definitely gonna remember this entire match. It was fantastic. Five beers for me. Second best match on the card besides the um, Cesaro and Right, this is the, this is the Cesaro one. No, can't no. This is uh, yeah, yeah this Cesaro is the same night. And Rollins. Yeah, yeah, Cesaro yeah. and Rollins. Yeah, beside those are the two best matches of the night, like one hundred percent. For sure, for sure. And honestly, I I feel like they handedly beat uh the the next night because the main event on our our last night of the evening here. Okay, this is what I'm gonna say. Like, I'm gonna tell you these three names. It's Daniel Bryan, it's Edge, and Roman Reigns. Right, like. You would think that these three dudes could just have a banger of a match if you just don't let dumb creative get in the way. Wait. And and like that's literally what they did. Like it's just how how did you make this bad? Like how did you how did you do that? How did how did you do that? How did you make Daniel Bryan Edge and Roman Reigns bad? It was bad. It was not good. There was I mean, there were some good exchanges at certain points. Like the Bryan Edge exchange was great. Um and some of the some of the three way spots were booked well, um, but I mean, it just wasn't it wasn't worked well in my opinion. I, just, I thought the finish was super shitty. Uh, I felt like there's just way too much blue chew for Reigns here in the back going on, and it's a three beer match from me at best. That that's that's all I've got for it. I just I felt like look I like Reigns being the evil heel. I like the tribal chief character. I've been on the Reigns train for a while. 
But I think this is the spot where he loses. He should have lost to one of these guys and just chased the title and maybe even won it back two more, you know, pay-per-views from now or whatever. But this was time for him to win and get desperate and wild-eyed chief and like slap around Jay a little more because he's insecure type chief. Like, I feel like he could have really even dot, you know, gotten even deeper in his heel character, having him lose here. Uh, to me, it's like, you don't really, where does edge and Daniel go now? Do they go into their own thing? Is it like, well, I would have won if it wasn't for you. I would have won if it wasn't for you. Hopefully that's what they do because that's, that would be great. I'm good with the one-on-one program between those two, because to me, those were the gems of the match. And again, I'm a reigns guy, but it just didn't feel, it just didn't feel right. There was, the chemistry wasn't right. I did not like the finish at all. Wasn't for me. That being said, bell to bell, they're both, they're all three great wrestlers, three beers. That's, that's, that's all I'm getting, but three beers for a WrestleMania main event night two. That's, that's not, that's not up to par boys. It's not up to par. Wex, where you at on it? I went only just slightly higher than you on this match. I went three and a half beers and same thing. The finish is what really got me. I just was like, really? That's the fucking finish. Like WrestleMania. That's the finish. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and that's not what I want. I mean, I, I, I get the psychology behind it. Like, Roman Reigns is such a badass. How is he going to let these two guys who are came back from career-ending injuries, you know, and, like, how can you make him look weak and he has to win and continue his heel shit? But, like, it's just WrestleMania, and that's just not what we needed. And like you said, he could have lost it, won it back, got more heelish, did more fucked-up shit. Jey Uso did not need to interfere in this match, like... I did like seeing the Education DDT. That was nice. I popped for that. I mean, there was some good stuff, like you said. There was some, some good spots, yeah. I mean, I still gave it three beers. It wasn't like the shit's bell to bell. It's just no, not well booked. It's just not It's not how a WrestleMania main event should have should have went. It just, yeah. I know we're not the bookers, and we're not clearly Vince McMahon and Bruce Pritchard in this, like, just because apparently they were very instrumental in changing the finish of the Fiend match, because apparently the Fiend was originally supposed to win. And apparently they were very instrumental in having Roman Reigns' cock look real hard and jerk it off a few times for him like he always does with his fist. Because, you know, Vince is very instrumental in that movie. He was like, all right, you're going to have to jerk it real hard, real hard. <laughs> but, yeah. Gave the old pal. Yeah, oh, jerk it real hard, pal. We're going to make you have a golden one because you love that golden cock. <laughs> but, yeah. Daniel Bryan was uh, delivering a lot of CTE during this match. You know, uh, we got some fun stuff. But, yeah. Three and a half beers, but that's definitely not what the fuck you want for a WrestleMania main event. And I, I did like seeing the crowd finally boo Roman Reigns as a heel, like, live. That was kind of cool, but, you know, he, that still could have happened with him losing or him doing anything else in the match. But fucking old Vince, Vinnie Mac and Bruce Pritchard jerking off to the shit in the back. God damn it. That's something, Wax. Jesse, where you at on it? Well, I'm certainly not going to talk about jerking off quite as much, but, you know, I also it's didn't fair. like the match. And here's my thing. It doesn't make me mad that Roman walked out with the title at all. I don't hate that. I understand it. I think if, after spending the amount of time that they did on ruining Roman Reigns and not utilizing him to his full potential and trying to make him a face and shoving him down everybody's throats and then finally putting him in a position that I think a lot of people would agree works better than where he was before. I understand it. It makes sense to me. I think that the, you know, a valid point that West brought up and I mentioned while we were watching it, you know, you got two guys who previously retired from supposedly career ending industry or industries, injuries, easy for me to say, 
but it, it it makes sense that Roman walked out with the W here. However, none of these guys looked like they were utilizing their strengths, really. I mean, there were some good spots, like you guys said. I love that double submission spot and the you let go, you let go thing. I thought that was great. Until the headbutts got to the point that it looked like they were nuzzling, that is. But it was kind of, you know, the whole thing was just like anticlimactic. And I mean, Daniel, your projection on the story of Edge and Daniel Bryan seems to be the only way they can go because the entire match was kind of predicated around them both trying to work really hard to put Reigns down. But then like Jey Uso being a part of it, I thought was completely needless. And you have him win that Andre Memorial Battle Royal and they're calling him main event Jey Uso. And he's like the side guy that's just interfering on behalf of Reigns. And it's like, None of it's linear. None of it makes sense. It, it made Reigns' win look cheap, and I think that the whole thing would be that he won in a non-cheap way. If yeah. you're really going to have him walk out and continue to look strong, I just thought that the way that it it they basically booked themselves into a corner and had no idea what they wanted to do to get out of it, and the only result that they knew that they wanted was Reigns to still be the champ. Yeah. And I think that there was no foresight and not a lot of long-term thinking here. I gave it two and a half beers, so I'm actually lower than both of you. Only Damn because bro. I really feel like between Daniel Bryan and Edge, man, they should have been able to pull out a motherfucking banger here. Yeah. But Agreed. somebody agent-wise clearly got in the way. Shoulda, coulda, woulda. Yes. Shoulda, coulda, woulda. Uh, great, insightful words from Wex breaking the loss in there. Um, yeah, so for me, I, I think NXT is definitely the better show of the two. Um, if we're going night by night, if I'm looking at beer count, it's close, though. I'm about a beer and a half difference uh, in favor of of stand and deliver as opposed to WrestleMania. Look, there's some great stuff. There's some WrestleMania worthy shit on WrestleMania. But at the same time, I don't know if it's top five, but I'm going to say it's in the top 10 worst WrestleManias. It's not I mean, it's not in the top five, but it's in the bottom third or almost bottom fourth of of WrestleMania. You know, I mean, I, I don't think it's it, it had potential to be great and it wasn't bad. Uh, it was good, but just barely good. Not really good. Just barely like, well, oh, it was good. It wasn't, you know, it was good. It was good. It wasn't the worst. Uh, it wasn't bad, but NXT was like, okay, this was really good. It was really good. It wasn't great. It was like, holy shit. Those NXT, did you see that NXT like show the way it was maybe four or five years ago? But I do have more faith and more hope in what NXT is going to become, especially now that they're unrivaled on, on Tuesdays. Um, to you know, full disclosure, I did not watch the Raw after WrestleMania. Spoiler alert! So I have no idea what the fuck they're doing with those storylines. And honestly, they've, they've, they've done it to themselves. Did you watch it? I watched like maybe the first twenty minutes, and then I read the entire recap, and it's all bullshit. Well, I heard that that they did not follow up on the Fiend and Randy Orton shit. That's for sure. That's no, true. Right now, that's that's SmackDown, like, right? No, no, that's wrong. I heard that basically it's now like Alexa Bliss is now feuding with the Fiend, and Randy Orton just moved on. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, they're not. It's it's yeah. It's well, Orton's done with it. That's fine. I feel like they're they're honestly. I feel like he's probably gonna be a baby face pretty soon. And he's probably going to be him and Roman Reigns are going to have some matches. I think that's probably what's going to happen, but we'll see. I know, I know that Roman Reigns is on the blue brand, but again, we're going to probably going to have a draft pretty soon. We have one every year right after mania. It's probably, have they announced that? Does anybody know about a draft coming up? I don't know. (laughs) Who cares? (laughs) Who cares? Wex, where are you at? NXT or WrestleMania? I mean, going by my beer ratings, obviously it's gonna. Uh, going by my beer ratings, obviously it's gonna have to be NXT. 
I mean, it's not the NXT of 2014 of the old days, but still NXT usually time and time again proves that they can usually put on the better bell-to-bell work. I guess it's, I want to say maybe because it's shorter and sweeter and less bullshit. I don't know, but NXT usually seems to go go off pretty hard, and they did this time, definitely, 100%. For sure. Uh, uh, I re- God damn it, Edge. God damn it, Daniel Bryan. <sighs> uh, we'll see. Maybe they could you know, pull it out here. We've got a, a WrestleMania backlash coming up here pretty soon that we'll definitely cover on this show. Uh, but next week, we're going to be covering TNA Lockdown from 2006 going up against WWF Backlash from 2001. That's going to be the show right after WrestleMania 17 that we just covered. I'm pretty excited about that one. Um, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm hype. I'm always hyped to watch TNA from 06. I feel like that's a pretty solid era there from them. And, you know, we're coming off the heels of, you know, arguably the greatest WrestleMania of all time with Backlash 2001. Jesse, how you feel about doing that uh, all nostalgia show next week? Well, God knows that I love the 2001 WWF run there. It's exciting to be able to cover that in somewhat of a succession here on this show. Uh, Backlash is a great card. I actually just watched it the other day. I'm getting a little bit ahead on my note skis, but it's fucking phenomenal. And Lockdown 2006, you know, that's TNA's kind of coming of age era where they really had somebody finally put some money behind them after they got rid of some false financial people that kind of put them in a little bit of legal trouble. They're finally kind of getting some main event talent here and they're sort of finding their niche to a lot of people, I guess. Also a really good card. I cannot wait. Wex, where you at? TNA, 06, WWF, 2001. Well, you know, I'm a big fan of TNA, as you can see right here, the TNA Best of 2007. But obviously, 2006 was a way better year for TNA. So I'm definitely looking forward for some total nonstop action. But going up against WWF 2001, that's arguably the best time of the Attitude Era. So it's going to be a tough, tough matchup. Tough matchup, indeed. Uh, The following week is going to be the first week of May. We're going to be covering WWE's Backlash 2006 versus Impact Rebellion 2021. 2021. This year, it's going to be... Um, is this Rich Swan versus Kenny Omega? Is that what we have here? Yes, that's, that's it. Oh, right. oh, my God. Oh, my God. Jesse, what do you think about that one, man? I mean, it's nice. You know, we get a little bit of the AEW tie-in. We get some, uh, I think currently the tag team champions are still Finn Juice, so you get a little bit of New Japan in there. Yep. Surely they'll defend on this show. You got uh, some X Division action, I'm sure. Right now you got a little Ace Austin, a little TJP up in that mix. That's sure to be a good thing. I still think Impact's women's division has a lot to offer. I think that they're going to be standouts on that. I love what the Impact people are doing with the pay-per-views. I am curious to see what uh, what the look and feel of this show will be like. But Backlash 06, man, also not a sloucher of a show. There's some very famous and uh, much talked about matches and angles involved in this show. I'm not going to spoil it for you, but it'll be a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm excited about it, man. Wex, where are you at? Oh, yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to that Kenny Omega versus Rich Swan, Filmed right here in Nashville, Tennessee. Right off Dick Pike, you know, if you know what I'm talking about. Dick Pike. Yeah, you know, so Dick it's um, definitely looking forward to it, actually. One of my friends worked the event. He said it was really good. He didn't spoil it for me. He just said, look forward to a fantastic matchup. Yeah, for sure. I'm also excited about covering WWE Backlash. This finally when we get that original reunion 
of Triple H and uh, HBK. It's not at this Backlash show, but it does happen later on in 2006, and I'm sure we will get there. And the best part about this is that the Patreon is launching this Sunday. Mm. This Sunday. So you will get your regularly scheduled feed on Saturday, and then you will have the video from us, the raw video of us recording this show unedited will be uploaded that Sunday for the Patreon. Not only that, but one of our marquee best shows that we've had of this season so far, our interview with Alex Kane, the raw unedited video with Alex Kane is going to be uploaded to the Patreons for everybody to check out. It's going to be awesome. Not only that, we also have the first watch along, which I decided to do the exploding barbed wire match, since it's still kind of topical, the Onita Hayabusa match. Now, our watch-alongs on the Patreon are going to be pretty easy since, you know, the Peacock isn't, you know, exactly where it needs to be yet. Uh, they're all going to be on YouTube. The, the, the watch-alongs that we have on Patreon for this month is going to be Onita and Hayabusa. Um, we're going to have all of my show notes for every single feed ever. So if you're one of those deep divers, you like going back all the way to episode one and listening to everything from the KG cast original days till now, you'll, you'll also have my notes to go along with every single show note for every single episode of kayfabe comparisons is going to be up there. And we're not doing the tier system yet. We want to get OGs here first, you know, like we're building a machine, right? We're building a clock here. We need cogs. We need kayfabe OGs to sign up early on. It's only going to be five bucks a month to be a cog on Patreon. Five bucks a month. And we will be eventually getting to a pay tier system. But if you are a cog in the first year, the first six months to a year of this Patreon system, you will always be grandfathered into the top tier. So be sure to hop on now. It's only five bucks. It's going to be really fun. We will be dropping that link everywhere this coming Sunday. We got so much shit coming up, boys. Dude, first 25 people to subscribe will get sexy pictures from Wex breaking the Lawson. Uh-oh. No, we're trying to get people on here, you fucking <laughs> oh, asshole. Damn it. Jesse, how you t- how you feeling about the whole Patreon launch, baby? Dude, I'm really excited to be able to provide a lot of this content. People don't really know yet. You know, we haven't unleashed into the universe some of the stuff we've been talking about and scheming and working on, some of which we've already cut, some of which we got plans to cut. And, uh, you know, our our thumbs and fingers and everything else, all of our appendages are pretty deep into this whole wrestling game right about now. we got a lot of things going on. So for our patrons, you're going to know about that shit first. You're going to have, you know, the capability to – Join in on some stuff that's going to start involving certain kinds of live shows, certain kinds of presentations, and all that fun shit. Uh oh, uh, stoked. Was he got also, some background? We got the the TNA, TNA. The board game. And we're going to be playing for the Patreon at some point too. We're going to try to get together once a month and film just a bunch of bonus shit for you guys, so that way we'll have content forever. We're also, like Jesse said, we're going to try to have some other random shows. I know me and Wex are also big football fans. In the fall, we might at least get a 30-minute show going on about football and what's going on and who's good and who sucks. Um, So, yeah, I'm excited about the whole Patreon world, man. That's going to wrap it up for this week, though. It's been a damn near three-hour-long show. You guys are troopers if you've stuck till the end. We appreciate you being here. Thank you so much. Be sure to hit that subscribe button. Leave us a five-star review. Leave us that rating. We really need it. It makes a big difference. For some reason, we were off of Google Podcasts for a while, but we are now back on. Uh, We were out for a couple weeks. I got a notification, but I fixed that. 
Uh, we're back on Google Podcasts, so if that's more gotta, preferable. Gotta be on Google. Yeah, you can find that as well. My name is Mr. Know-It-All, Daniel John Schaefer. You can find me at Daniel Daybreak as well as at kfabe.com. Jesse, where can people find you? They can find me on Instagram and Twitter at at Jesse Baker Nash. What you can also find is that Kfabe Comparisons, the podcast, is a sponsor in presenting Revive Pro Wrestling Business is Awful, May 22nd in Centerville, Tennessee at the Stables Event Space. The new Revive Heavyweight Champion, the one and only Kerry Awful, Coming back to dictate what his championship reign is going to look like. We are proud sponsors of this event, and I can't wait. So you can find us there, too, and Revive Pro Wrestling on Facebook. Yes, and you can also catch that show a little bit later if you can't make it live on IWTV, Independent Wrestling TV, along with our last show that we just did, Open the Floodgates, and our previous show, Bumping the Night 2 from October, and I'm Wex Breaking the Lawson once again, and you can find me at Wex Breaking the Lawson on Instagram and on YouTube, where you get weekly AW Dynamite reviews and other cool, fun shit popping off with wrestling, if you like that kind of stuff. And you can find me at Wex Breaking the on Twitter, where I promote all this type of shit, wrestling, podcast, all the fun shit we do around here, and this is Wex Breaking the Lawson. And that's going to do it for us here on something. That, no, that's not right. <laughs> Pacho Vic. Yeah, it's got to be one of those. All right, we'll see you guys next week. We're out. Peace. Peace. Peace.